going on. So what you want? It's crazy evil. I'm saying that maybe there needs to be fucking grown-ups out and fucking kids out. I don't agree. I believe heaven and hell are one and the same. Some people claim that the atrocities we commit in our fiction are those inner desires which we cannot commit in our controlled civilization. You're a special one, Mandy. I, too, am a special one. Let us be so very special together. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Sleezoids, the podcast where we go down the rabbit hole of 20th century genre fare from the most influential canon classics to the trashiest exploitation films we can get our hands on and invite you to tag along in helping us create a canon of sleaze. Each week is a double feature grindhouse style where we discuss two films loosely related by subject, genre, actor, filmmaker, or franchise. And at the end of each episode, along with our honorary Sleezoids, which you can become by subscribing on Patreon. Do it. There, he was right Do on it. time this week. Do it. <laughs> We decide on all the official ratings and rankings for every film that we cover. Patreon subscribers also get an honor shout out and two bonus episodes every single month, which, man, it's been a year. It's been a year. Holy hell. This is the first year uh, or the first year, the first episode of 2019 for yeah. your listening ears. And this marks the exact one year date of us launching our very first episode, which was on, oh, my God, Spider Baby and the Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, I still remember it. Yep. We did it on the table on the there, kitchen table right behind us. Yep. We've moved a few things <laughs> since then. We've got some new some, some new, new equipment. Yeah. Yep. We got some new setups going on. Had to go through about three microphones, <laughs> but we, we found the out. one for us. Exactly. <laughs> so that's one year of Sleezoids and uh, about uh, 10 or 11 months of Patreon episodes. So if you haven't made yeah. the jump to Patreon, we got uh, an ungodly amount of episodes waiting for you. Yep. Uh, a lot of there. hours. Uh, as well as, again, we're doing two every month uh, as, as we're heading into the new year. So you can expect lots to come. Yep. Uh, speaking of which, we do have one patron to thank this week, and that is Nick Johnston. Nick, thanks for uh, joining us. Nick, thank actually, you, Nick. Uh, I actually met Nick at the Toronto Film Festival this oh, year. Oh, cool. That's um, awesome. We, we watched a couple movies together, like Destroyer. Oh, which with, uh, uh, Nicole Kidman is it good? I, I liked it because I, I the trailer looks very interesting. I just don't know much about it. It, it is a pretty uh, tough, hard boiled, uh, pretty gross crime movie, like True Detective style. But yeah. they were it's like True Detective. But what if like Nicole Kidman was in the Matthew McConaughey role? Is kind of like what it's okay. doing. And Nicole Kidman really Gives grimes it. it up. For cool. the role. I did I, see a lot of like she's got like makeup on. I or, it's good makeup. I mean, it's not. <laughs> Nick yeah. and I honestly kind of like laughed through it, uh, oh, okay. but but not necessarily in a way that's bad. It's just sure. it's pretty absurd and entertaining. Cool. Uh, so maybe not what people are expecting. I think some people are like it's so emotional, and I don't think it's quite there. But there's some yeah. pretty hilarious things about Nicole Kidman just being like a complete greaseball. There's there's <laughs> there's one part where uh, she endangers the lives of like everyone to get into a gunfight just because she wants to. <laughs> just because she wants to get into a fight. <laughs> yeah, she goes to the back great. of her truck and like pulls out a shotgun, and they're like, you know, you can like wait for backup. Like the SWAT team's coming, and so far none of the hostages are hurt or anything, and she just runs in there and starts shooting yeah. everything. <laughs> That's it's awesome. it's pretty funny anyway. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us, Nick. That was a fun time, and that that movie actually does relate to today's uh, episode, as we'll get into yeah. it. 
but uh i think that's the plug oh and and itunes soundcloud yeah um, are we on spotify Spotify. we are on spotify i'm getting the stats coming in some people are listening on spotify now very cool um whatever you know stitcher itunes whatever podcast of choice you guys listen to us on if you guys could give us a good old rating and review over there yeah awesome we really appreciate it. it helps us find new listeners um but yeah as we said first episode of 2019 uh two weeks ago would have been the last time uh everyone would have heard from us and that was our uh christmas episode we did uh, we did christmas slashers uh bob clark's 1974 black christmas Mm. uh, as well as silent night deadly night one decade later 1984 yeah which jamie and i really went to bat for because we were surprised at a lot of even in trash circles the kind of negative reception of that film just Um, don't understand no they were both someone gets uh, hung by christmas lights yeah. A sledder goes down after being decapitated. I mean, dude, Santa's Santa blood people. gets sprayed all over a bunch of orphans. Yeah, come on. And he's a, and that guy was a priest. There's yep. just so many layers. Yeah. So many layers. Two awesome Christmas slashers. So if you haven't heard that episode, it was uh it's for free. It's for everyone. It's waiting there for you guys. Take it a give it a listen. Uh but last week would have been the last time patrons would have heard from us uh, on their exclusive episode, and we would have been talking noir films, 1940s. Yeah. Uh, 1941, we talked The Maltese Falcon, and we paired it with the uh, Billy Wilder uh, uh, noir from uh, 1944, Double Indemnity. Masterpiece. Uh, yes, Double Indemnity, one of the best films we probably talked about so far on yeah, the show. Easily. Jamie and I absolutely adored it. And Maltese Falcon has a you know an all-timer performance from mm-hmm. Humphrey Bogart. Oh, yeah. Um, so a lot of fun. Pure there. man. <laughs> Again, if you want that uh, episode, that's at patreon.com slash podcast. That was last week's bonus episode. Uh, but this week, for the first time, in Sleezoid's podcast history, we might make this an annual thing. We haven't fully decided. We're going to see how it goes today. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie and I... This might be rough around the edges, but we'll we, give it our best. We, we pulled our hair out putting together top 10 lists for yeah. you guys. Uh, because hell. a lot of people... Uh, throughout the year have been saying you know you guys talk about you know all these great 80 slashers but what do you think of the 2018 slashers what do you yeah. think of of this and you know sometimes jamie and i put our reviews out on letterboxd and sometimes I, I write full reviews of stuff but you know we figured maybe at the end of the year it would be a good time to shine some light on uh some of the stuff the genre stuff that jamie and i really loved a couple of which mm. honestly we feel may have went a little unnoticed or a little uh less talked about throughout the year yeah definitely so uh, we're going to talk about an insane amount of movies today. Yeah, there was a lot of genre films this year. I mean, I guess there probably is every year, but this is obviously the year that I really noticed. So, yeah, but this like, was the I year was that in, it was incredible. Yeah, we were pretty dedicated to watching genre movies. A couple of these we watched in theaters together. A couple of them, I mean, some of them are Netflix originals and stuff. So we watched at yeah. home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing today is uh, Jamie and I each are going to go through uh, our top 10. We're going to go uh, one at a time. We're going to go through our 10s and then our 9s and then our 8s and so on for the episode. And we're going to highlight all of our favorite genre movies and why. We're not going to be deep diving like half hour long discussions yeah. on anything like, like usual. five minutes each, something like that. Yeah, but uh, we're going to bring them up and we're going to mention why we really uh, love them depending on their placement on the list. I mean, honestly, this was such a good year for genre movies. I had four yeah. star movies that didn't make the top 10. Yeah, me too. Like, you know, I, I, had, crazy. I had like a solid like f- 15 genre movies that I really, really liked this year. So uh, yeah, uh, speaking too. of which, I guess we're going to have to do honorable mentions first yeah let's do it uh so we're gonna do a really fast speed run uh of of our honorable mentions from 
from this year. Uh, I will go first, and I'm also going to mention a couple things that I personally disqualified from the list, and we'll yeah. get into why we did that. Jamie and I, there's a couple in here that technically they're genre movies, but maybe, you know. We just figured they were, everyone's talking about you, them, you so guys, why You guys bother? don't need to hear us talk about Mission Impossible Fallout, you yeah, know? Like, yeah. we would rather highlight something a little bit smaller like, that you know it's good. got underseen, and that maybe yeah. is more of a pure genre film rather than, you know, a right. big blockbuster. Anyway, so, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, Mission Impossible Fallout is on my honorable mention. Uh, as well as uh, Aquaman, another blockbuster that I uh, disqualified from competition. But uh, Jamie and I both had an insane time watching yeah, that. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah, we were hooting and hollering at the screen. Pitbulls, like, blaring on a smash cut to the Sahara. And <laughs> Jamie and I got, like, our heads in the air. We're howling. <laughs> yeah, we were just losing our minds. And I love that they go for kind of that, like, Power Rangers, like, spacesuit kind of oh, stuff yeah. every once they, in a while. They literally spent $300 million, like, remaking Flash Gordon yeah, yeah. in the ocean. Um, <laughs> exactly. An absolutely bonkers genre movie that uh, if it didn't cost $300 million, I might have actually included on the list. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's another honorable mention um, uh, for me. Um, a, couple, a couple that I'm going to mention solely because of deaths. Unfriended, Dark Web. Uh, an incredible uh, death in that film by via swatting. Uh, I heard about it. Number one, to be topical. Number two, uh, it's like uh, Final Destination levels of tension. Like oh, it's, cool. it's like you know what's happening the audience about two okay. minutes before it happens. Mm-hmm. And as it's breaking down, anyone who's been on the internet and has heard of what swatting is yeah. when they uh, 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 someone calls in uh, like, a, like a, a hostile or terrorist alert on a house and has uh, on someone that they know publicly who's maybe streaming or something like this and watches them get swatted. And all of those dudes are obviously super tense thinking they're about to run into a, a, a violent situation. Yeah. Sometimes they will just gun down people that they break into. And that's exactly what happens in Unfriended Dark Web. But it's like... Uh, again, it reminded me of like the best of Final Destination when you're just sitting there waiting for the worst to happen and you know it's coming. You're not exactly sure how, but it's right. coming. Um, and That's cool. it was a really inventive thing that Unfriended Dark Web did uh, that uh, you know maybe the rest of the film didn't do uh, quite as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also Final Score, which is a, a diehard ripoff starring Batista. Dave, Dave Batista. This was recommended to me by a friend of the show, Dave Imboden. Uh, I wanted to thank him for recommending it because I was looking. I was like, I'm compiling a best of genre list People tell me your underrated genre movies. This is one that Dave said. Yeah. Um, and he mentioned in his review that Dave Batista has become like his favorite um, actor or wrestler turned actor because he's like, yeah, he's fantastic. He's really sorrowful and really full of like pain. Like, you know, the, yeah, the, the, his one scene in uh, Blade, Blade Runner, Runner was fantastic. Yeah. He's one scene and I remember it vividly. Exactly. Like, like there's more soul in his one scene uh, in Blade Runner than I've seen like the rock give genuinely like yeah. in a movie. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, and in this Dave Batista does a little bit of that as a former vet who's having terrorists have seized a soccer stadium where he's taken his niece out for an afternoon mm-hmm. um and uh <laughs> there's one death in this film where he's fighting a terrorist and uh in, in a kitchen and he grabs a, a chopping knife and he slices the dude's uh fingers off and the dude's <laughs> fingers land into the deep fryer beautiful uh in the kitchen and it's not even over yet he 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 later because uh, the knife and the fingers both go into the deep fryer okay. later he's fighting a second dude and he pull reach it reaches into the deep fryer to pull the knife out. Uh, and uh, he stabs the dude in the face with it and then shoves that dude's face into the deep fryer to cook it alongside the fingers that are still in there. <laughs> Mm-mm, good. So just awesome shit like that. Uh, Gareth That's Evans's awesome. uh, Apostle, 
which was like an oh, old yeah. British folk horror thing. It took a little too long to get going in my yeah, opinion. Yeah. But once the first it, hour is really slow. Once it did get going though, dude, yeah. some of those kills and some of those crazy. I think it's, I guess, trying to build to that too. It's kind of like setting yeah. you in a tone. You just kind of wish the like, character boom. stuff was more interesting. Yeah. It's when really kind of just dull. And especially bit. the main guy, Dan Stevens, he was in the guest and the guest is just an excellent film and he's so good oh, in that. that um, and uh, in this, I wasn't really sure about it, about his performance or maybe just his character again it's hard to tell if it's the writing or if it's just a case of it's really hard to tell yeah anyway i liked the movie but it didn't it didn't make the top 15 anything like that uh upgrade awesome shotgun head uh shotgun to the head yeah a lot um, of cool ideas lee Winnell, uh obviously the writer of the saw films really went crazy on that film and it's just a better version of venom we yeah. both watched venom it's the exact same plot as venom but just with yeah. actual violence like the dude who he has a voice in his head and it takes over and there's this big scientist yeah. who made it up and he has a good to, point it's the it's, exact it's same odd plot too that it's the guy, it's looks, the guy like that tom looks like tom hardy that everyone's like it's the b-side tom hardy so exactly yeah, it was much better than venom <laughs> um and we're getting to the end here uh, the first purge, which uh, didn't really have a, a super strong first hour for me. Again, it yeah. just felt like another purge movie. Yeah, definitely. But by the time it gets got into the second half, and it kind of goes like full black exploitation revenge movie. And yeah. again, that one scene of like the really like bloody smoke grenade. Uh, ballet thing oh, yeah. all in slow motion Fantastic. and then and again you got the the main dude in his john mcclain tank top just yeah. gunning people down and i really like the added character of a, i can't remember his name he was like skull face or something like that <laughs> yeah. and he is a character man he's very funny he's obviously very violent evil but he is genuinely hilarious throughout the film so yeah that yeah. was a lot of fun and last for honorable mentions uh very quickly a simple favor um mm. only gonna bring this one up one. it's a really it's a comedy version of gone girl Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's 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 honestly pretty impressive genre stuff from a dude who it's I mean it's Paul Feig. He's the bridesmaids. He made Ghostbusters, which was garbage. Yeah, I didn't like but that one. he uh, came out here with a movie that was again it's 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 not it doesn't reach Gone Girl heights because it's very yeah. intentionally it's him doing and he can't visually conceptualize anything outside of studio comedy looks. Yeah, it seems like that. But he does try really hard in the screenplay to make this a genuine genre movie, a cool. murder mystery type thing, and Blake Lively in it is amazing. Sweet. Her performance, I think, I is... I like to see her in more. I really liked her in the shower. Is going really under-recognized um, uh, this year. And then the last thing I'll bring up is The Nun, which I mm. didn't like, but which had some of the most amazing production design in any horror movie I saw this year. Yeah, you there's, were there's a they giant with that like, castle kind of stuff, there's right? A, there's this gothic castle and like graveyards and, uh, and, and fog and candlelight, and there's this big finale in like a crypt underground oh, cool. that is just uh, completely bonkers and uh, reminded me honestly a little bit of, uh, shit, not a Bay of Blood. What was that guy's other movie that we talked about on the show? Black Sunday? Black Sunday. Yeah. It reminded me visually of, of Black Sunday. Very cool. Uh, unfortunately, the screenplay is just another just uh, typical it, it's like how do we use this location this very interesting european location and just make another haunted ho- house horror movie that in sucks. a european location and i was like god it's like you have the stuff use it why the not? location yeah. work does so much heavy <laughs> like, lifting on that movie it's yeah. a, it's amazing it made me want to like the movie more oh, okay, uh, but cool. beyond that that's it for me because there's one more i'd bring up but i know it's on jamie's list so i'll let him do oh, his nice. honorable mentions <laughs> all right so mine would be uh, uh halloween i thought 
Halloween was fantastic. Oh, yes. Uh, I was surprised by it. I didn't really know yeah, what we, to Yeah, we expect. talked about it on the show, actually, on yeah. our Halloween episodes. If you haven't heard our full yeah. Halloween episode, go back and listen to that. Went real we, heavy we went like 30 one. or 40 minutes on the new Halloween film, which we both really liked. Yeah, it was awesome. And then it also has the uh, a, a great head smash, oh, which yeah. uh, won't, won't spoil who if you haven't seen it, but it's awesome. Yeah, like a pumpkin, just... Yeah, it's just disgusting. It's great. Uh, First Reformed, I thought it was fantastic. Oh, I forgot Um, to mention, yeah, First Reformed would be really high on my list, but I personally disqualified it. (laughs) Just because, like, the prestige, I guess, a little bit. It's a little too dramatic. Paul Schrader was doing a bit of, like, a a, a very classical art movie kind of style of, like, Mm. these 60s spiritual priest films. Yeah. Uh, And including, you know, the the framing of his movie and uh, the style that he was pulling from. And Schrader does put in a little bit of his own, you know, sort of uh, off kilter, maybe vaguely exploitation side. He has yeah, that in especially him. within the end, and then like kind of showing that suicide that happens. Yeah, so, some of the content of First Reformed gets really, really dark in a way that is uniquely Paul Schrader. But it yeah. wasn't, you know, like Rolling Thunder, which we talked about on the show, which yeah. goes like full exploitation Vietnam yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, so then uh, I'd also put Upgrade because it was just yep. fantastic. I loved watching him uh, kind of figure out <laughs> how he was going to use this uh, this power that he had. Yep. Uh, a Quiet Place, which was uh, very good. Um, I thought uh, just the, the use of having basically no dialogue uh, mm-hmm. and still making it very tense and interesting. Um, it, it didn't connect as well as I think others might have thought for me. Anyway. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. The third act for me wasn't as emotional as I think. Because I didn't see that that's where it John was John Krasinski, I think, thought that, that was more emotional because yeah. he really plays up how it's suppo- you're supposed to feel yeah. for him and the kids and all that. Yeah. And, and I mean, I you do, but like not to yeah. the extent that I think he thinks is I don't feel doing. it connected as much as he thought it did with the rest of the film. That's, that's yeah. really but what that, it was. But that set piece in the middle of the film where she's literally giving birth and trying to oh, hold in her sound and while the sound goes creatures in are in the coming. water too mm-hmm. and you're just oh yeah it's very scary very a very very impressive set piece for a first time director and yeah. a guy who has never made a genre movie so yeah he's kicking ass that set so. piece right in the middle was enough to like guarantee that it was like a three star movie for oh, me oh yeah so. me too uh, the ritual, which I thought was really Never good. It. it gave me like a, kind of like a Blair Witch project feel, mm. of especially the first half. Cause they're kind of just coming across, you know, this, this old cabin and there's some like weird statue made out of wood and you're, and they're just like, what's going on. And then a nighttime, uh, this thing at night happens where all of them basically trip out and they wake up one guy's naked praying to the, oh the statue. And they're like, why am I naked? I've heard the monster design is supposed to be pretty cool. Oh, too. it's fantastic. Yeah. It's a mix of like this giant elk with this Ooh. demon reaper. That's the head of it. It's Ooh. so bizarre. Cool. And uh, yeah, it goes to some places that I really liked. Uh, Apostle, which we did mention yep. a little slow, but gets to a really good uh, finale. Yeah, the last like 30 minutes are just really, really, uh, you know, the, the Gareth Evans carnage you've been waiting for for kind of like two hours. <laughs> yeah, you're like, come on, <laughs> and finally we're here. This is the guy who made the Raid movies, so like, come on. Yeah, well, that's, I think, what I didn't, uh, I, I forgot about that, and that's, I think, what I was expecting, just a yeah. bit more visceral the whole time, you know, just yeah. in your face the whole time. But uh, And then there was Braven. Yes, this is the one that I was going to mention, but I'm going to let you bring it up. Which uh, I was like... We both watched by ourselves, unknowingly from each other. Yeah, yeah, we just watched it, and it ended up being just a pleasant surprise. It's just a dude in the the woods trying to save his family from some some drug runners, and uh, it's very simple, but it does the job, and some of the kills are genuinely just like 
rusty. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like rustic, like the bear trap sequence. I won't spoil it because yeah. it's near the end, but it's uh, you don't see it coming. At least I didn't, and I thought it was great. No, absolutely. Well, and Final Score and Braven are our two direct-to-video action movies. Because remember yeah, how we always mention that there's similar. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's always two direct. Like we we talked a lot about how direct-to-video is maybe like where the really underground yeah, genre stuff I is think right it now. Is now. Yeah. So th- th- those those were the two direct-to-videos that we actually caught up with this year. And yeah, yeah. Momoa at two large dudes. Uh, Momoa yep. throwing axes and killing yeah, people by like driving four wheelers off cliffs and stuff. Yeah, Just awesome. It's so good. And, it, and it's obviously it's in Canada too. So we had to bring it up. Yeah, it was awesome. And then uh, the first purge as well, I would put in the honorable mentions. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that might wrap it up for the honorable mentions because there's a couple more I'd bring up, but some of them are on Jamie's list. So we're going to yeah. save them for that. And same with Jamie. So we're yeah. going to officially get into the list here. Oh, and I'm also going to mention I saved High Life. My number one this year would probably be High Life, the sci-fi Claire Denis film with Robert Pattinson. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about but this. But it's officially getting a release in April of next year by so, okay. A24. So, so maybe we'll see that next year. Exactly. Next so maybe next year's you were list. telling me that that thing was up there. Like, yeah, it almost, first uh, reformed were the two fives I gave out in yeah. the overall year. And uh, yeah, High Life is officially a next year movie, so we'll save it for that. Cool. Uh, but that being said, I think we're going to jump into the top ten. Sweet. Number ten. Number 10. All right. So the number 10 best genre movie of 2018 for me was uh, The Night Comes for Us. And mm. uh, Jamie, what was your number 10? <laughs> uh, the Night Comes for Us. Ah, well, damn. So you normally didn't even coordinate that. Exactly. So because we saw that there, uh, we're going to just do a discussion with both of us on yeah. this one. Yeah, uh, but Jamie, well. why did this one make your top 10? I mean, for to be honest, I will say that the uh, you know the character stuff it, it kind of just takes a back seat a yeah. lot in that movie. Yeah. But the 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 the, the action and yeah. the and the violence is so in your face and so over the top and just goes for it the entire runtime. Yeah, that you you just don't care that that you don't really you know, on a deep level care about this was the most visceral, like, yeah, boy, like movie of the year for me. At one point there's (laughs) like, just to paint you a little bit of an image, if you haven't seen it, it's like at one point we have, they're in a, uh, a workshop Mm -hmm. and they're just using all these power tools that have wires. So, and they're twisting and tangling each other. And there's like three guys that are versing each other, all trying to kill each other. So you have like a, a saw mixed in with the dude's arm, a guy's got a uh, like a like a flatbed saw that's going towards his leg, and they're all yeah. trying to kill each other at the same time. It's absolutely tense. It's just unreal. Yeah, this this was the movie that uh, the fact that Gareth Evans didn't have a raid movie this year. This was the movie we needed. And yeah, it's funny. It, yeah. It's the same production company. It's XYZ Films or whatever for, out of uh, Indonesia. So it's an Indonesian film. It did definitely remind me of the raid. And for well, sure. th- well, this is like. Because keep in mind, like those movies are these like sort of like really uh, in your face, propulsive martial arts films. Right. They're like, uh, you know, these very a lot of handheld photography while you're watching two amazing athletes just pummel each other to shit. <laughs> yep. And the raid movies uh, were unique in that they really showed you the result of a lot of the punching and the stabbing. Mm-hmm. This one is like that mixed with like a torture porn movie. Like it is yeah. full out. Like it's constantly using, uh, everyday items as weapons. Like that almost seemed to be its thing where it's like whatever they had beside them, they're grabbing and they're using. Well, it. yeah, that's just it. You're not watching a dude like break another dude's nose. Like you're watching a dude like s- smash another's dude's head to pieces with like with a, a hammer yeah. or like just a pot that he found. And he's just using it as, as this pure. Yeah. 
crazy. I bet weapon. like one hour into this movie, you're going to think that they're, uh, that the, the movie's going to run out of ways to tear flesh from, <laughs> yeah. from, from bone. It's, it it's going to stop. And the movie just doesn't from beginning to end. Like I legitimately yeah. just lost count of the amounts of the times I was like cringing and being like, like oh, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. yeah. And then fucking like yelling at the screen. Like there's one dude who gets his head smashed by a cow carcass. That's just hanging. Yeah. And then it <laughs> yeah. falls on his head. It smashes it. Um, it's one I, of the easiest movies to just put on, like have a couple beers and just enjoy it on a purely animalistic level. Yeah. You know? Because, because it, because it's true. Like the actual like revenge crime story at the heart of it, like it's, it's serviceable. Yeah. It's you've just fine. seen it before. The it's characters something... care about it way more than you will care about exactly. it. You will just be waiting for the next action scene. Like where some dude is yeah. going to like, I mean, I lost my shit when they're fighting in the back of the, uh, the police van, like he's been captured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, the one dude pulls a grenade and um, oh, yeah. the one dude falls on the grenade and he gets turned into like minced meat. Like he just like yeah. it's little chunks of chicken just like fly everywhere. And then the van tips over and it's all this flesh and meat is just falling on people. Yeah. And then the dude, he has one dude pinned who's holding a gun about to try and shoot him. And he's pointing it at the dude's friend now, like at his at, at another police officer, another SWAT dude. Um and then he takes a, a taser and he tases the dude who's got his arm pinned and the taser makes the dude pull the trigger and fire like 10 rounds into his buddy's head. Oh, and it's, it's, it's just like the how elaborate yeah. and how crazy the deaths are in this movie cannot be understated. Yeah. Because, yeah. And when I and I mean, and it's a direct to Netflix film. So, like, if any of you just want to catch this on Netflix, like it's available to you. And I would yeah. highly I'm so surprised that. Uh, how little people actually were mentioned. I, I yeah, mean, I, I, I Netflix kind of, of buries, you know, the good stuff, the, the weird stuff that it picks <laughs> yeah. up sometimes. And this was, this would be an amazing thing for them to promote the shit out of. Yeah. Um, and I also love that characters just kind of put themselves in danger just to hurt the other characters a lot oh, of that time. Yeah. Much like the example you just gave, like he's literally pulling apart a grenade inside a police <laughs> car. Yeah. The risk for killing himself is pretty high. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's great. Exactly. And also the, the director of that film, uh, I followed him on Twitter later and saw him, uh, waxing poetically about Michael Mann's Miami vice. Oh, and, that, nice. and that he took inspiration from, uh, some of the shots of like them standing on the highways and talking about like codes and right. honor and stuff like that. Yeah. He was like that. He was like, that's what I took that all from. So I was oh, like, that's cool. That immediately was like, okay, well, that has to make the top 10 list. Now. <laughs> Absolutely. You love Miami vice. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, I guess we'll be moving on. We're going to be talking about number nine. Uh, number nine for me is, uh, hereditary, which is a film nice. that I think is on a lot of people's probably top fives for, um, genre movies, uh, this, this year. I mean, as far as like studio released, um, like sort of haunted spooky horror movies that we yeah. seem to get like once every month or two now. Yeah. This is one of the best ones that I've, I probably uh, ever actually yeah. seen the fact that people, uh, cause here's the thing. Uh, we'll get into this more when we get higher up the list because I know yeah. that Jamie's got a little bit higher. A little higher. But the thing that I was the most shocked about was the response to this movie was that everyone's being like, it's another horror movie about family grief, like The Babadook or like The Witch or like... And, and yeah. here's the thing. I like The Witch. I like The Babadook. Oh, yeah, I love those movies. Um, there's other versions of those movies that are getting... I understand why people are getting sick of them, like The Night Comes For Us. I don't know if you saw that, but I didn't like The Night... 
uh, or no, not the night comes for us. Sorry. It comes at night. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we I just got talked about the mixed, night comes yeah, for us. I got those two mixed up too. Yeah. But no, I was right there with you. I kind of just, I think you might've tuned that one too. Yeah. The, I, it, it, I, it comes at night. I thought was like this boring, like, like it, it should have just been an art drama. It was, but it was, it almost would have worked better as a short film. It was, like ma- it, it was masquerading as a, like I an figured it out within film. the first yeah. like 45 minutes. So I was kind of like, okay, well, and then it just happened, so I'm like, okay. Yeah, well, it's, it's, like, the monsters. it's like an hour and <laughs> 40 minutes of being like, you know, maybe the real monsters are us. <laughs> He's like, well, and you're yeah. like, well, cool, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, awesome. Uh, so, like, and I, it was, I was just surprised that so many people thought Hereditary fit into that because for me, man, that movie is one of the straight up, like, meanest, most apocalyptic movies of the year for me. Hmm. Um, very different from, oh, yeah. from that kind of film. And I think we'll get that's a little... A th- that's a good word for it, mean. It's just, like, it doesn't let up. This movie does not it's care. Grief the entire time. Well, yeah, and th- <laughs> this movie doesn't actually seem to care that much about the family's grief. You know, it's not like an emotional art movie in that way. It's, yeah. it's more like watching them him like pick the wings off flies like he's just he he's watching these characters who are trapped in like a like a meat grinder and he's just like they've already fucked up and they're already dead before the movie's even begun now watch it happen yeah and that's completely different experience than what a lot of people were saying it was Mm -hmm. um but we'll get more into that when we get a little higher up yeah. Uh, Jamie's list here. Jamie, you're number nine. My number nine is Annihilation, uh, which I thought was just a very unique uh, sci-fi movie. Uh, basically, it's about um, uh, four scientists who are also soldiers uh, come go into this uh, different realm that, uh, that basically just appears on Earth, and it yeah, seems like no it, other soldiers have what, gotten out of it. What's it called again? It's called The, the Shimmer. Shimmer. The Shimmer. The Shimmer. I think that's what it's called. Shimmer. <laughs> and uh, what what comes it, what is living inside this thing is just a bunch of very uh, odd plant creatures. There's a, uh, a a giant bear mixed with a wolf that can talk to the people, talk like the people that it's killed and consumed. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then as the movie goes on, it kind of uh, you know touches on depression. And there's I won't spoil anything, but there's one sequence in which it kind of shows Natalie Portman almost dancing with her anxiety and, and physically fighting her anxiety. And I don't mm-hmm. want to spoil it because it does get to a very powerful image, I think. Um, and it has, creepy, it ha- too. It has a really very abstract, really bizarre, wordless finale. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just goes for it. It's all symbolic. Like The, the only... The only words they really say is annihilation. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, and uh, it also ends on a very creepy kind of, you know, cliffhanger note where you're like, what did I just watch? Uh, are the answers all there? So, yeah, I thought it was a very interesting Yeah, because it, it's a movie that's less interested in, like, the actual sci-fi journey than right. it is, like, the emotional, like, uh, refracted journey. Because the whole yeah. idea is that inside the shimmer, it, like, refracts your biology. Yeah. So it takes parts of you and it makes it into something new. And yeah. the movie kind of gets to a larger idea of like pain distorts you and it hurts you. But at and the same time, it, it changes you and, you and pushes yeah. you. And maybe, maybe in some ways you should maybe learn to accept it or learn to, yep. you know, l- 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 if not accept it, you're going to have to live with it. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's a surprisingly like emotional sci-fi film that also has some pretty dark horror like that, that bit with his uh, intestines all like, Oh yeah. Uh, swirling around yeah. inside of them when, when they they're showing like the, the soldier, the, the VHS tapes of the soldiers that are just mm. like, they've all gone insane and they start killing and eating each other and stuff. Oh yeah. yeah it's uh it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, Annihilation um, didn't bring it up in the honorable mentions because Jamie was going to put it on his list, but it was right. one of my higher up honorable mentions for sure. Yeah. 
Um, so we are going to move on to number uh, eight here. Uh, number eight for me uh, was Mandy. Nice. Uh, we're definitely going to talk about this a little bit more as we get up. Oh yes, list, we will. So I'm not going to say everything right <laughs> now. Um, for me, Mandy was just a really phenomenal, like pastiche of like just really beautiful art trash. And you look at yes. all of the films that he was inspired by and you look at, um, you know, this, this really sort of like moody, delirious kind of film. He ended up pulling from it. This really, really, um, uh, like moody revenge story. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the only reason it's not, uh, higher is because I, I think that this film, maybe I do need to rewatch it, but like when it I took me the second time, yeah, cause I watched it in the theater yeah. with Jamie and Jamie was watching it for the second time. Cause he watched it online first and I was watching it for the first time. And I, I felt while watching it, I was like, man, this should be an automatic five for me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially considering the show that we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but weird, weirdly enough, um, uh, I was trying to explain to my buddy that I, I just I, I didn't feel a, a whole lot for it, um, which felt mm. a little strange to me, just because you, like, like d- the, just disconnected from the, it? the movie. Yeah, I felt like I was really, really enjoying it as like uh, admiring what the filmmaker was doing. Yeah. Um, but I was less like enamored by like uh, Nick Cage's like uh, emotion, like raw emotional journey, which is kind of like his, leads his descent into hell. And, yeah. and it's weird because it spends an hour setting that up mm-hmm. and it makes logical sense why he's really hurt. For some reason, I just felt like I didn't end up actually really, really caring about the titular Mandy and Nick Cage's like really hardcore pain on like a visceral level the same way I did with say, for example, like, like, like John wick, his revenge journey was like really, really impactful, um, for me in a way that I didn't get out of, uh, Nick cage, despite the fact could because they killed that damn dog. Maybe I just, (laughs) maybe it's just dogs, man. That's an easier way (laughs) to the the heart boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but also because it spends a lot of time with the the cult in the first half. It doesn't spend yeah. a lot of time with Mandy and Nick Cage except for maybe like two scenes where they're like talking in bed, which I do think are great scenes. Yeah. Um, but it, I just felt weird that there's really not a whole lot of Nick Cage in the first hour of the movie. Mm-hmm. It, it's really yeah. only as soon as he's like in huge pain that he kind of takes over the movie and that really just bends the <laughs> yeah. film into something completely insane. Yeah, the first hour, the second hour, are completely different films. Yeah, well, I mean, the title card comes up an hour into the movie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Very just, true. Just a gonzo movie that I really enjoyed it. Uh, and we're definitely going to talk about it more when we get up to uh, uh, get a little further up on Jamie's list. But uh, your number eight. My number eight is Den of Thieves. Oh. Which oh. I know you want to talk about. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Den of Thieves <laughs> is, I mean, you can basically call it a heat ripoff. Yeah. And I'm fine with it because uh, Gerald, Ger- Gerard Butler. Uh, just gives it his all with being this kind of like trashy uh, stepdad type. <laughs> you know, he's just eating donuts off the crime scene, not giving a shit. Just be like, oh, we got to figure out this case. Yeah, and his I'll character punch name is I Big to. Nick, and he's yeah, big. Big Nick, yep. He's got his team of kind of like, uh, I mean, they're not vigilantes because they are in the SWAT team, but these guys might as well be because they do nothing by the book. You know, oh, they're, yeah. they're basically criminals themselves. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think he even has a line in which he says, I can't remember the line, but it's something they, like... They, he's like, do you think that we're going to take you in? He's like, no, we're going to fucking kill you. Yeah. Like, we're you're not the bad guys. Like, we're, we're the, the bad, bad guys. guys. <laughs> that's what. And that's just so... Just so 
well, perfect he, for yeah, this he, show. Yeah, he even holds know? up his badge, and he's just like, "This is this is my gang sign or whatever." <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, there's so many good moments. Basic, yeah, it's it's basically watching like the, these cops be just as bad as the team that they're trying to take down. Oh yeah. So you don't, as a as a viewer, you're kind of like. You don't know who to ro- root for because both of them are pieces of shit. Yeah. And uh, e- eventually you kind of end up rooting for the bad guys more because yeah. Gerard Butler and his gang, it's just so, um, you know, they go against the law all the time that you're like, you guys are total hypocrites. Yeah, well, At least these guys have a code. Yeah. You guys are well, just, you, and you, know. you, you almost think that they would, if, if they understood that that's what cops did, they might actually, the, the, the criminal heisters might actually make good cops. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause they're proficient. They go to the, they, you know, they have their code that they stick with. Whereas the cops, they don't have any type of guideline. They just are like, they're bad guys. We need to take them down. Doesn't matter how. <laughs> yeah, and, I think uh, it's I think an interesting watch. W- when I wrote about the movie, I called it "Heat by Way of Monster Energy Drink" because it, it, <laughs> yeah, it's just that's spot on. It's just it's totally uh, it's Get just so. it's such a dirt bag blast, <laughs> yeah. just front to back, just like Jim Bros. Yeah, you all know, the, just all, yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's like I'm, I'm literally imagine man. imagine Al Pacino's character in Heat, but like the dude is just stuffing his face <laughs> with like gross takeout and like yeah. sitting in strip clubs like feeling sad for himself right <laughs> like, that's that's the key too he'll like go to a bar and fuck with somebody whereas you know al pacino is like hanging over his miami home and just like oh i've got to get these guys like like heat heat it, <laughs> is the the main distinction here is that heat is like a very spiritual emotional yes. experience between this cop and this criminal who have similar codes and similar uh, yep. and, and that's just it. it's the same plot of like these yeah. cops and and criminals like that have that, that have similar codes <laughs> but it was like imagine it was less codes of 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 honor just and primal it, and it was more yeah. like rage and aggressiveness yeah. and like just total trash dirt yeah. like it's just oh my god it's like, amazing <laughs> they're, they're all just like drunken divorced gorillas yeah. like running around shooting each other and stealing money and yeah and man the big climactic on-ramp shootout yeah is it's fantastic just awesome. and yeah. it goes for a while too this, this is just a really set piece a really loud sweaty disgusting movie yeah um and i i we i mean we both loved like every second yeah. of it. i remember it's literally I, trashy heat i remember when i watched it and then i came into work and i said dude you have to watch that and you were yeah. like th- like well because i was shocked i thought i was gonna go into it being like yeah this was it was okay you know it, it I thought because it was so derivative of heat that I it would piss me off. Yeah. But because they kind of knew what they were doing and they went, fuck that, I'll just go trash with it. I respected the hell out of that and uh, had so much fun with it. I mean, how can you not? If you don't, if you watch this movie and don't even have fun with it, I, I don't know what to say to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If if uh, Christian Petzold, the uh, German art filmmaker who made films such as Phoenix and Transit, two of the all-timer oh, uh, most recent German films, he put this in his top ten films of the decade. What? <laughs> there you go. He said he said that he went to the German multiplex or whatever, and he was just like he was like you know they're all these big blockbusters he wanted to just watch something and he yeah. was and apparently in 
in in Germany, it was translated as like crime squad or <laughs> okay. something. So he was like, okay, I'll go watch that. And he watched it and he was like, this is like a real movie. He's like, this is a, a first time director with a vision and he's telling a story about loyalty and he's got these, these, uh, he was just like, yeah, a real movie to me is like guys with tattoos, uh, smoking and hacking up their lungs and killing each other and stuff. And he was like, that was like a real movie. And he literally was like all these art movies that get made for film festival audiences audiences where he's like you have like the the israeli and the palestinian border and there's like a tree in the middle and these two kids bond over this tree and it's a romeo and juliet type thing and it's all allegory and artsy he was like that's got nothing on den of thieves that's (laughs) basically what he (laughs) says gerard butler eating a donut off the ground yep i'm talking blood blood on the donut box and like (laughs) <laughs> it's just so gross. Everything about it is gross, and I love it. Yeah. So anyway, that would have also been in my honorable mentions. Just barely didn't make my top ten. I was glad Jamie nice. put it on his list. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to number seven for me. Number seven is uh, a little film called Let the Corpses Tan, nice. which is a, uh, a a sort of French uh, fetish genre <laughs> exploitation film. Fetish is a good word for it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to describe to people who maybe aren't super well-versed in genre stuff. I mean, I know a lot of our yeah. listeners uh, will be. Yeah. Because it's very... Uh, uh, it's very giallo, hyper stylized. The mm. entire film um, that I was blown away when I saw this on the big screen, uh, TIFF in 2017, the whole film is shot in uh, almost exclusively in insert close-ups. Yeah, which which means that there's not a lot of like the wide shots where you get to see the space of the place, which right. is like you know, so you don't get a lot of clear action. But the film does this very intentionally, where uh, you know those shots where you would see like a, a close up of someone's eyes as they're glancing, and then a close up yeah. of someone like uh, uh, sort of like stretching the leather as they're about to pull their gun out, yeah. and then a close up of like someone's feet shifting slightly, and it's then like another a feeling like you can't leave this place. No, know, like... it, it's very they 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 do these extreme close ups and they cut really fast between all these close ups, and there's Tons of pans and zooms and all of these. Yeah. The, the kinds of 70s the stuff pans like the and Tarant- zooms. You'd see in a Tarantino film, yeah. but without all the over-the-top character talking. And oh, yeah. That. Like the kind of shit that would make Tarantino like swoon. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Absolutely. Um, it's and, it, and for me, it was just a total like fetish filmmaking delight. It was art house and grind house. Just a complete like, uh, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's like a, like a heist movie, but half the time you can't tell by the way that it's operating. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like some of the two the, the, Two dudes wearing like Hawaiian shirts and Frankenstein masks who like come yeah. up and like gun down this truck and stuff like that. One of my favorite shots was when they do the uh, they have a, a open mouth just in the foreground oh, yeah. and all you see is the mouth and all you see is a guy put a gun in it and then shoots <laughs> and then blood just comes out of the mouth. You don't see any like of the the real violence like the the face doesn't blow up or anything. It's just the mouth and blood, blood coming out, out of it. it. Yeah, and, and I don't and, know. And, and again, the shots are so fast and it's so close up because you don't you don't right. even get to see that guy you just see you the, sh- fe- the close-up of his mouth a he doesn't gun let going you in feel anything you're just kind of like oh out. that innocent guy's dead now <laughs> yeah it's it's really hyper edited and it's yeah. really mesmerizing and it's all shot in like this very re- quick yeah, yeah very, very quick, quick very close up uh very um very gorgeous like 16 millimeter film and lots of leather and gunfire and blood yeah and uh the only dirty. film i saw this year that had uh, a golden shower Oh yeah, yeah, guy getting peed on, and then also a dude who uh, literally is covered in gold—a literal yeah. golden shower. Yep, and who gets completely shot up in in the gold and stuff. It just a, a completely like 
technically astounding and yeah. like viscerally compelling film for me. Yeah, it'd be in my honorable mentions for sure. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, because I remember you were saying that uh, you were kind of not not feeling a lot for everyone. And I, I, I knew that Which that might would... be the point, I guess. A but little, it's like a little bit because the film is I like to have something to latch on to, you know, it's just it's a difficult film to latch on to specifically yeah. because the film is trying to be like this, like sensory overload. Yeah, like it's trying to be this really like confusing assault where like all these characters like kind I've of been like, forced to do these terrible things. Well, and, and some and, of them, some of them are bad. Well, and, but... and, and a lot of them are doing it out of like like greed yeah. or like sexual impulse or this so it's, yeah. it's a lot of like these people reduced yeah. to just like their impulses and like right. their their actions and reactions to each other so it does make it really hard to latch onto on a plot and character level hell yeah. you don't you don't even learn half their names or anything like <laughs> yeah that. that was yeah <laughs> that's what i kind of when i ended the movie i was like I don't know anybody's name at all. I don't yep. think you, so. you basically it's just, just not you, you just watch this super violent frenzy of greedy people just murder each other in really visually creative ways. Yeah. And that's basically all the movie is. And yeah, like stylistically, I mean, this thing is incredible. Oh yeah. I just felt a little disconnected mm-hmm, personally, mm-hmm. but I mean, I would watch it again just for the visuals alone. Absolutely. So. But you're number seven. Uh, my number seven is hereditary. Oh yeah. A little higher up. So and, maybe we'll get uh, a little deeper into it this time. Yeah. I, I just, what, I think why I put it on my top 10 was I, it was finally a horror movie that, uh, you know, I saw, I haven't seen a good horror movie in a while. And this one just kind of went for something that was far more subtle, you know, minus a few moments, but it's, it's not the most, uh, in your face when it comes to like the violence and stuff until mm. it actually until happens, about the halfway until point. it goes down. <laughs> Uh, but for the most part, what you're looking at is just like a uh, a family going through a lot of grief and just a lot of torment, and um, and it does a really good job of having you understand every single character's place within the family, uh, and and then it goes on to do something where it's kind of like you know you can't escape your bloodline, you know mm-hmm. you, there, there's no escape of uh, the. the the nihilistic nature of this family. Like maybe something uh, got uh, hereditarily passed down. Yeah. That, uh, (laughs) right. Like, cause it seems like throughout most of the film, the, uh, the son, you know, he has good intentions. He's just a normal teenage guy. He's going through puberty, you know, things like that. And, uh, and then as, as the film goes, all of these, these realizations you make about the family just kind of, uh, leads you to, uh, believe there's something much deeper than just some depression or grief. You know, there's something pure evil happening here. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, like like uh, by the time we reach the end, it's it's literally it's pure apocalyptic nihilism. Yeah, like yeah. it's it's really like it's beyond the realm of just like you know good and bad. It's it, we're talking uh, we're talking pure evil, like demonic mm. shit. Um, and uh, won't spoil it for you, but. I mean, I want to say it, it, it did remind me of like Rosemary's Baby, that kind mm-hmm. of vibe, you know, How where, where, where it's like all building up to like a bonkers something, something right. there. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and and like Rosemary's Baby, the plot is actually surprisingly literal, whereas a yeah. lot of these films do it's like these true. allegories for like the creature is this or that. Like yeah. the creature in this is very, very explicit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Once you actually find out what it is. And for me, the film, I was really surprised at how um, it's really kind of like an exercise in just like constantly ratcheting the tension. Yep. Like from the first moment, you know that something is off and it just kind of goes up and up and up and up and up. Yeah. And it Until never it's scratching at you. Just yeah. like And then by the time it reaches the end, we've reached the peak and then it just ends like there yeah. was there there's no recognizable attempt at like a real rhythm or like a like a relief 
Yeah, no, there, not there, at all. There's just like it crescendos and then stops and leaves you with everything terrible that happened, basically. Yeah. And it's and it on, no resolution. It's honestly like gleeful and almost farcical in how cruel it is to its characters. Yeah, uh, the death that happens in the middle of the film, which we won't spoil. Um, I've never quite seen a scene like it. Jamie and I watching in the theater together, we both cupped our hands over our mouths. Yeah, and just stayed silent for like 10 minutes. Yeah, we held them there for like 10 minutes because, again, there's no relief after that scene. It just it just holds you there and you're, you're waiting for it to give you relief and it doesn't yeah. because and who's, the, who's the lead actress again? Do you remember? Uh, Tony, Tony or Tori, Tony. Oh, yeah. Collette? Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. fantastic. And right mm-hmm. after that sequence happens, all you, all it is is just her making the realization of what happened and it's pure grief. It's, 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 it's almost, it's uncomfortable to watch like mm-hmm. her just, you know, expelling the emotions of, of the loss that she had. Mm-hmm. It's, She's screaming like it's not just, you know, like hard crying. It's like like almost calling out to God saying, why did you do this? It's kind of like that. It's just it's over the top. It's larger than life. And uh, the whole movie eventually gets to that point. So, yeah, yeah it, I thought it, it was great. It's some of like, honestly, uh, and I thought it was original because like, you were mentioning it like a lot of uh, movies now that are getting the prestigious awards for horror is kind of like the griefed family, you know, and yeah, all that. Kind of like but people, it does pe- it differently, people are being like they're making art movies about grief and then putting like a little bit of a horror scene every 10 minutes into right. the film to remind you it's a horror film. And like, that's what horror movies right. are. And now. this doesn't it has a tone and it just stays with it the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Like like to me the family stuff in here it it's there in the narrative yeah and like you do feel it because you in- inherently want to empathize with people but the actual larger film he's constructed around this story is completely different like this is yeah. th- this is one again where these people have signed their uh their death certificates like before the movies even started and you yeah. just don't know it yeah and exactly. over the course of the film you watch these people just rage against their own deaths which have been predetermined mm-hmm. and it's really once you get to the end for example you watch it a second time you really do notice that like this is almost pointless like this is real nihilism this is like 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 these characters are you've been watching characters being led to their death the entire time yeah you've been watching lambs led to the slaughter in slow motion by by the filmmaker who is just like and especially uh, honestly i think people should check on this dude's family because i think that he he might (laughs) might honestly be like psychotic and want to murder his family like that's that's genuinely what the movie feels like and i don't think that i've ever seen a movie that quite feels like this one did when i watched it so i understand the praise that it's that it's getting and i think that some of the people who were being a little negative towards it were being a little unfair to what this is doing differently yes Um, yes i agree yeah so that will wrap up what number was that what are we on that was seven for you so we're on to six six so number six for me uh is the uh the ballad of buster scruggs nice yeah, that was um, on my honorable mentions. Yeah. Really uh, enjoyed this one. Not not an action or a horror, although it has a tiny bit of both in there. Yeah. Um, really, this is a genre movie because it's it's actually a pure Western. Yeah. It is a Western film, and it, it is mm. it is interested in the idea of um, how uh, the sort of revisionist Westerns, how they were kind of interested in this idea of these kind of older, old guard people adjusting to new systems and new codes being put on the world. Yeah. And you see a lot of characters here in transition who are kind of like living out outmoded ways of living who are trying to kind of like find new paths and for those who haven't seen it it's an anthology film of about five is it five or six different I think it's six six I think so. um short stories um in in the west that all in their own way kind of like 
our little meditations on on the the West changing and the yeah. the the larger like cliched characters that you would find in Western things, but they're mm-hmm. putting a little spin on them. Yeah, you know? they're they're dealing with like how dangerous and death filled the West is, yeah. and what it kind of means even now to tell a story about. Um, uh, you know, to tell a, a Western story, like what else is there even left to get out of it? Mm-hmm. And some of these characters are really great. I really love the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the first yeah, story. Yeah, the first one's fantastic. With with uh, so funny with Tim like, Blake, genuinely hilarious. I was just oh, yeah. laughing throughout the whole thing. Um, someone I follow on Twitter brought up the fact that they reminded him of um, uh, like like Bugs Bunny. Like he's yeah. he, he's kind of like a, a bit of like the a walking caricature of a cowboy. Absolutely, and and everyone tries to like mess with him, but he kind has like uh you know he's like one with the audience and he knows he's gonna be okay the world's yeah. kind of on his side yeah um and uh but I, but i also think that that uh, you know it's 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 a very funny segment it has a lot of great original music in it of oh the, yeah the, fantastic. The, the singing cowboy who just kind of want to goes moment to moment and he's really really cartoonish cowboy he's like hey fellas yeah. and he's really like upbeat and happy and but all and all of the other characters are very like real lived in world western characters right. who are just pissed off at this like caricature of the West. <laughs> it just seems completely out of place, but it works perfectly. And then he hyper violently kills a bunch of them and then yeah. goes back to singing his song. But then it turns into like this meditation on this guy who he's the main gunslinger and he's taking everyone down, but eventually he's going to get old and eventually there's going to be a younger gunslinger. And he's yeah. kind of like, what was the point of all of that? And he has this great line where he talks about um, how, uh, uh, you know, if, if there's no place to go where you can play cards and the guy across the table is not going to cheat, then what were all the songs about is what he says. Mm. All these idealistic Western yeah. cowboy songs. And it, it, again, it's this idea of them, I think, talking about how we made these idealistic films and these Western films when like real world consequences and real material reality for people is a lot messier. And I think the Coens get yeah. in a lot of trouble from people because people think similar to hereditary, they think that they're really mean and nihilistic about their characters, that they're just oh, okay. really cruel sometimes to their characters. But I think it, it's a lot of the time interpreted in a way that's like negative. Yeah. And I've also found that they do, you've always said something like a lot of the stuff that they do is like a farce, right? It it's is. like characters making mistakes dumb. and getting yeah. trapped in, in so they might be mean, but it's always led because the character made a decision. It's not necessarily just like the movies killing them off, you know? No, well, and, and the film feels really bad for them because the yes. movie, the movie acknowledges that they made a stupid mistake right. and they're suffering exactly. for it now. And that, that, that doesn't feel good. Like, I think it's just people having a movie, making them feel bad again <laughs> yeah. and being turned off by that when yeah. it's like, you know, I don't know how you watch Meal Ticket and think that these char- these directors and writers don't care. Is that about the one the with Liam Liam Neeson? Neeson. Yeah, Whew, that's a heavy one. Like he yeah. cares, like they care so much about those two characters and the decisions that they make. And same with um, the uh, the girl who got rattled or whatever it was mm-hmm. um, for about twenty minutes in there. It's just like a genuine romance. Yeah. And yeah, you it's feel just two it. people kind of connecting over traveling and being in this very hostile mm-hmm. environment. And and again there's, you know, there's there's a, the intrusion of like uh, destruction and anarchy, but it, it's framed as like really tragic. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not uh, you know, as a quite They're not a, relishing in all the death. Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. Um so yeah, there's a lot of great stories in there. Um What was your favorite, do you think? 
Do you know what? I, I really loved say. I really loved Buster Scruggs' meal ticket and the girl who got rattled. But I kind of nice. I honestly thought that the movie worked because of how they all did something differently. Yeah, and yeah, just because sure. one is more dramatically like one, none is as heartbreaking as meal ticket. Yeah, and, that one is just dark. As um, hell. and you know, so like I think because they're so different, they all really do have to work together. Because also, yeah. uh, all gold canyon is awesome too. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, Tom Waits is fantastic. Just oh, got yeah. into his music, by the way. He's very good. I like it. That's I like awesome. his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he, uh, I thought uh, Tom Waits was probably my favorite one. I really liked the Gold Rush one. There was something about watching a man, you know, work so hard for something and then just have this jackass just give him a shot, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I was brokenhearted for the guy. I'm, I, like, And then as they have him rise back up and fight back, like, yeah. it's genuinely heartfelt. And uh, I, th- I thought that one was really good, yeah. Yeah, that one was awesome, too. Yeah, so either way, I really liked Ballad of Buster Scruggs, but your number six. Uh, my number six is Revenge. Nice. Uh, I can't actually remember the director, um, oh. but... Uh, but it's fantastic. It's basically a uh, it's a rape revenge film, mm-hmm. and this time around they do a lot of awesome stylistic choices instead of just making it just like you know gritty like she's getting revenge whatever. So Cor- Coralie Far Fargate Fargate. Okay. Okay. And uh, and yeah. So basically, what happens is this uh, this girl comes to a uh, very a rich uh, guys that she's seeing uh, kind of vacation home. And two gentlemen that are friends of his, or at least it seems like it, uh, come and eventually it leads to uh, one of them uh, raping her. And because she is uh, in that situation, the rich boyfriend obviously doesn't want anything to be, you know, doesn't doesn't want it to get out because he's successful. I'm sure he has a business, whatever's going on. He's a jackass. They all are. Yeah. And uh, he chooses his friends over her. Right. When that shit. When she and hits basically the fan. he kills her. And pushes her off, pushes a her off a cliff, and goes. All right, problem dealt with. And then she comes back from the dead, basically, because oh, yeah. it seems very much like she did die. You know, oh, like yeah. well, it, that's kind of how she, I read she, it. She gets literally spiked by a tree, right? right? And then it, I think the story is more like how she becomes like one with nature. Yeah. yeah, there's this great cave scene where basically she becomes the warrior and like nature itself. And then throughout the film, she's just a force of nature that is kind of you know taking its revenge yeah it honestly kind of echoed annihilation for me a little bit where she took that pain and she transformed it and became something else right Right, exactly because she's that's what and i think they have uh they have a great image where uh there's this um this eagle that's from a beer can yeah because she uses to weld a wound yeah she cauterizes her wound with a beer can and so it looks like it's this brand of like nature and she's you know kind of one with uh one with it and uh she takes it and starts to get the vengeance on all the guys and um it's just fantastic. Well, uh, well because it, it really investigates the idea that this these are like these like there's this rich dude and then there's his friends and that it's very civil and yes. then they unleash like this primal violence on her yep. and then she basically becomes that primal violence and goes back. Right. And the way <laughs> they set it up on. too is it's almost like the uh, the guys themselves have done this before because when they're talking they're almost talking as if like okay you go do this you do this like mm-hmm. now granted they in the movie they weren't saying um, like these guys were set out to do this mm-hmm. especially the guy that ends up killing her yeah. but it did seem like he's been used to this kind of situation before yeah. and that he's you know he's uh 
he's hidden a few things. So um, yeah, it's it's great. And what they do with the the style, just uh, the filmmaking. There's a lot of cool close-ups where they go into like slow motion. Like, there's a great sequence where it shows one of the guys uh, eating something like a chocolate bar. Oh, and it's disgusting. And it's yeah. disgusting. It's slow motion. It's completely high definition. Like you yeah. can see every little detail. And I think what it was saying, it was kind of showing, you know, the the gluttonous nature of these men, you mm. know, whether it be food or whether it be the body or whether it be anything. So it was it was really well done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really showing you, again, this this like primal thing that's right. something as casual as eating when you really think about yeah. it. Like it's it's something it's animalistic. It's yeah, something. Exactly. You know, yeah. And I agree. The uh, what really stood out to me about the film was that like colorful, like art pop style that it yeah. had to it. Like it's really so bright, like really bright saturated colors, and, yeah. like even even. Even when you think about it, because you're talking about it's like how this film is really colorful, but it takes place in a desert. So you're like, you know, there, yeah. there's not like neon lights, but like even the desert is like really orange, orange yeah. and the sky is really blue. Yep. Um, and uh, we would be remiss not to mention the uh, completely grotesque and absolutely insane bloodbath finale in the desert mansion. Oh, yeah. And it's a white mansion, yeah. So you know what they use when it comes to the the, the blood. Uh, yeah, so. I've never because uh, like about halfway through it, I was like, okay, that's a lot of blood. And then by the end, I was like, that's a lot of blood, <laughs> blood. Yeah. Uh, that happens in the in the big chase finale, which we won't spoil, but is really awesome. And you guys should uh, definitely check that movie out if you didn't get around to it. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to number five for me. Number five is uh, Unsane. Uh, which is a also movie, honorable mention for me. Yeah, a movie that came out uh, uh, earlier in the year and that uh, seems to be uh, seemed to have been a little bit forgotten as the year went on. But this one really stood out uh, to me. It's uh, Steven Soderbergh. Uh, it was it was his iPhone sort of like voyeur uh, horror movie that he made earlier in the year. Again, sort of channeling his uh, recession era anxieties. This is the guy who made uh, the Girlfriend Experience and Magic Mike, which were mm. films very much about how like. Uh, uh, post the uh, you know the the market crash, kind of like how everyone has been distorted and has been sort of like uh, reduced into making bodily transactions. The girlfriend experiences mm. prostitution. Magic Mike gets stripping, right. uh, and and even here, there's a bodily transaction of the private healthcare system in the United States. Yeah, where uh, what basically happens is that this this uh, uh, institution that this woman goes to for help with her. Um, um, uh, anxieties about being stalked and, and her depression, um, uh, they end up uh, involuntarily, um, uh, yeah. I forget what they call that, in- involuntarily uh, incarcerating her. That's the word I'm yeah. looking for. Uh, involuntarily verily, uh, incarcerating her so that they can milk her uh, ins- work insurance money. Yeah. So they're basically keeping her there and saying that she's sick, even though she's not, so that they can milk her for for money. And while she's trapped in there, her own stalker is also inside. And you're not sure if she's going and crazy. And he's a head nurse. And yeah, and, and you're not sure if she's just going crazy or what's going on there. But yeah, the that's film, the best part of the film is that balance where it's like it starts to make you think. Well, maybe she is crazy. Well, because it's like- Soderbergh, he do- has this style um, with the with the iPhone um, because it, it's this really fuzzy, deep depth of field that you're yeah. not used to seeing on on the big screen or seeing really at all. Yeah. Um, and so you're you're seeing the iPhone photography. I actually is a huge deal of why this works. Mm-hmm. And, and again, with Soderbergh's very stilted um, uh, compositions and framing, yeah. um, and he does um, a, a lot of like really hard cutting and sudden camera moves because again the iphone you can 
can move it so easily. You don't need a yeah. giant dolly or crane to move it. So like there's that one great sequence where she's kind of losing her shit. Oh and yeah, they, and they just put it right on her face, and she just kind of just starts smashing tables and shit. Yeah, and, and it's blending like three or four shots together as right. she's like freaking out and stuff gives like you that. This disorienting feeling. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's like a voyeuristic formal energy to this that like really gets you paranoid and in the headspace yeah. of someone who is who is um, uh, claustrophobic and being uh, being stalked like this and um, yeah. again yeah. I was for this film I was just really tensed up like I was sweating bullets start to finish for this yeah. film one of and, my most uh, anxiety ridden scenes for me was when she initially gets into the hospital mm-hmm. and they just have the wide shot of her in the nurse's room just getting looked at and the nurse just locks the door and then essentially says like you take all your clothes off you're standing oh yeah and, and i love and it how- just gave me so much like there's there's nothing she can do like she, if she wants to get out of that room she's gonna have to physically fight that nurse well like and, it was done and it's awesome to there's watch so much because claire there. foy's performance the lead girl is one of my favorite performances of the year and it's because um her mentality is like how can i talk to these people to get my way out yeah and none of it ever works yeah because she's being very polite and she's trying to like word her way out where she's being like okay i'll take off my clothes but then like i'm gonna to take this and they're like put that in your bag and then they're like give it to him and then he takes it and like it's this thing where like she's she's trying to put on the performance and the role that people expect of her the same yeah. way that this stalker guy really wants her to just live happily with her and yeah play this performance for like her saying you know when it's coming talking about like the institutions it's like when you're at a hospital and mm-hmm. you're in a nurse thing and you went there for anxiety or you went there for some type of issue when a nurse and whatever is telling you to do these things, you expect them to know what they're talking about and to trust them and whatever. <laughs> and and, so when and, and that they have your best things, interest in mind. Right. right. So when you're starting to see things in which you have to question, even as a normal person that should be trusting these nurses, yeah. there's that. There's a, the form of anxiety that I can't even express. It's oh, just yeah. like it, you can't do anything. Th- this is a giant institution that has pretty much the law on their side too so it's absolutely it's very scary it's really horrifying and yeah. then the, the big sort of climax where they confront the she confronts the stalker inside the hospital is really really tense and then also there's this big uh forest sequence that it reminded me very much of like uh sort of like a 70s horror slasher type deal where she's running mm. through the forest and there's a big uh we won't spoil it but there's a big kind of slasher-esque sequence reminded me very oh, much right. of like hooper craven type thing definitely um it's very primal very uh, and again the the uh, night light of the iPhone gives you this really like yeah. uh, kind of grainy blue. It's really really uh, gorgeous to look at. Yeah, and this really could not have been done stylistically the same way with a normal camera. I yeah, really no. feel like the iPhone is what sold this. Yeah, uh, well, because I think the way he used I it. think it was friend of the show we've had on, Jacob Knight. He was writing about this film and he said that the style here reminded him of like the 16 millimeter low budget stuff that like Hooper and Craven would have been doing in the 70s with yeah. like Texas Chainsaw and like Hills Have Eyes. Like they were making these really, really dirt cheap um, uh, you know, horror movies and that this, what that's what this reminded him of with the iPhone and how yeah. it works with the style here, which honestly really kind of blew me away. And again, the ending of the film has a big old freeze frame and uh, <laughs> yep. has a big old, um, you know, uh, straight out of the seventies that you can't even leave the claustrophobic headspace of this character, even after she's won that the lasting psychological consequences are still going to be there the same way that when, uh, uh, the, the girl from Texas Chainsaw gets in the back of the car. That yeah. You're like, yeah, she's technically made it out, but reminded me has how, she made it out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and kind of reminded me how they ended uh, Halloween, too. Yes. Like uh, the new one because they had that freeze frame on the knife and stuff. Yeah. So that 70s stuff is bringing coming back a little bit. Yeah, I like and, it. And again, Soderbergh, 
would not have expected this movie out of him based on the rest of his filmography. So I was really shocked by this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But number five for you. Number five for me was Burning, Mm. which you introduced me to. Uh, Very, very cool film. Uh, Very Hitchcockian. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's got, it's, uh, the tone is pretty much a mystery throughout. You know, you're watching a, a drama and a bit of a romance, but there's always this underlying tone where you're like, something is not right. Something is off and I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm, I'm going to keep mm-hmm. at it to see what, wh- where it goes. And, and it's not even that. I mean, the character stuff is really well done and, and, uh, and deep and you understand, uh, kind of the, the complications between, uh, the, the, well, the first guy and the, the girl that he's in love with. Um, but yeah, then it just leads to this, uh, this mystery that kind of turns into a bit of a bit of a thrill, a thrilling sequence that I won't spoil because yeah, it, it was kind of the it, movie. It was but. the one movie Jamie and I discussed possibly disqualifying because it is a very yeah. well known uh, foreign art film, yeah. and it probably if, it's pretty if, prestigious if, the way if, it's drawn yeah, too. And so I mean, if it doesn't win, it's going to get nominated for best foreign picture at the Oscars yeah. this year. But uh, we discussed it at length, and the fact mm-hmm. that it reminded us so much of. Of, of, vertigo of like or, vertigo yeah. in like a uh, a weird you way. You said rear window, didn't you too? Something like that. Yes. Yeah. And we'll we'll get into I that a little bit more yet. when we get higher up my yeah. list. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so I guess we're moving on to number four. Number four uh, for me uh, was uh, the house that Jack built. Oh yeah. The uh, Lars uh, von Trier film which uh, tracks, I think, something like a decade in the life of a serial killer named Jack, who is also uh, an uh, an engineer slash uh, aspiring architect, which is how he's building a house. Um, Or at least attempting to. (laughs) Yes. uh, Well, there's even a line in the film where they say, wasn't there something about building a house? (laughs) Yeah. Because let's just say he's a little bit more interested in the killing than he is in the houses. Yeah, he forgets about that house eventually. Yes. And for me, this was just a really horrifying film about how physically, morally, and aesthetically um, the uh, uh, inseparable, the noble is from the rot. That's a movie that it, yeah. that's a line that it uses in the movie where it's like the noble rot, and he's talking about how he wants to, you know, how how so how evil and how how genocide in its own way is is an art form. And um, yeah. basically, what's interesting to me about that is that uh, he's he, you know he's. He's got a warped worldview that means that that's true for him, and mm-hmm. he tries to make a case for it. And the case he ultimately ends up making is that you cannot separate that violence from the from the art. This is a movie yeah. the 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 movie I've the most compelled by of a movie about separating art from an artist. Yeah, um, because it's about a guy who thinks that uh, murder is art. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's just like at a certain point you really, really, really can't. Yeah. Um, yeah, is kind exactly. of the argument that the movie eventually makes. Um, <laughs> oh man! And and it's really fascinating to come from Lars von Trier, who has had his own history of uh, of of issues behind the camera, mm-hmm. uh, very well documented and and regarded. I mean, at, at one point he uh, actually made uh, uh, an argument for that he he had he felt for Hitler. Wow. <laughs> at one point, yep. Is there a video of that? I'm just curious. There's, there, I believe that there's audio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look that up. Holy hell. Uh, he, he got banned from Cannes for a couple years for, for that reason. It? And then, so this was just one of his first movies, I <laughs> think, to play at Cannes since then. Yeah. So it's very clearly a, a, a movie 
made from that guy's point of view, mm. but you've never seen such like a self-critical, self-loathing film. Like if he's casting himself as Jack, let's just say he doesn't paint Jack in the best light. No. Uh, you really, really hate Jack. It's end. a horrifly, or horrifyingly disgusting film about the idea of destruction being inherently coded into uh, c- creation and how dangerous and disgusting that that actually is. And mm-hmm. we'll de- get a little bit more into it maybe when we get a little higher on Jamie's list. Yeah. But Jamie, your number four. My number four is Suspiria, the mm. remake, uh, which I'm so happy to say I really, really, really liked. So I was a little worried about it. Uh, not that I didn't have faith in the director or anyone that was uh, really starring in it. it. It was just... When you're remaking something that I already consider a five, you know, it's it's tough. Yeah, it's and, tough and, we, to and we watched it for the show this year. Right, and <laughs> just a few months ago. Yeah. It, it was pretty recent, so mm-hmm. I was uh, I was prepared, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was great. Um, it really goes for the ending. What I loved about it is that it did something completely different from the first movie. Oh, yeah. I thought it was going to be more so... Obviously, I knew it was going to extend because it's an extra hour from the runtime of the first one. So I knew they had to do a few things here and there that'd be different. But they pretty much just take the initial story and then just do whatever the hell they want with it. And that was what I loved because it felt like watching a new movie instead of just watching Suspiria in 2018. So that was great. Um, yeah, as far as when you're when you're dreaming of a remake of a film, this is honestly what you kind of hope yes, for. Someone exactly. who take who takes the premise and does something completely different stylistically, thematically, yeah. formally. Yeah, and what I like too is they focus a lot more on the the dancing in this one, mm-hmm. uh, which they. They don't do a lot of in the first Suspiria. There's some sequences, but no, it's the, more focused on the, the witchcraft and the yeah. The original is more of like a fairy tale style yeah. thing happening inside of a dance studio, right? And this one, they use the dancing as like spells, and and mm-hmm. these these girls that are uh, that are dancing are kind of like hypnotized by the dance itself, and they're becoming one with the dance, and mm-hmm. and um, and yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. It leads to a batshit crazy finale the, that I can't get out of my head. Honestly, the the finale is like the purest exploitation I think yes. we saw this year. Absolutely. I mean, without people, a doubt. People would obviously argue that I think some of the stuff in Mandy's finale gets there. Yeah, that's true. But I that's think true. I on watching Mandy, let's just say this, watching Mandy, I thought this is a guy who's watched a lot of exploitation movies making a really cool movie. Yeah. Watching he Suspiria was kind of given the tip of the hat to the exploitation whereas mm-hmm. this one was was being that I I yeah. almost I would be convinced watching this crypt finale in the new Suspiria felt like I was watching like a seventies exploitation movie. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and the effects obviously are are upped, so now they can do all that crazy shit, but with the modern technology and what they do with it. Once again, not going to spoil. Want to, but uh, it's it's fantastic. You guys got to give this one a go when it comes out. Yeah, I think I think most people would have had a chance to see it by now. But anyone who wasn't, well, that's true, who, I guess. everybody who wasn't in a city that was playing it, though, yeah, maybe, yeah. will get a chance to see well, it. You know, give it, it the comes out on 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 Blu-ray in a couple months. I think yeah. it comes out. Um, uh, moving on to number three, my number three is a film that I don't know when people are going to get a chance to see it. So I'm putting it on my list this year in hopes of hyping people up to pay attention to it. So mm-hmm. hopefully if it does come out anywhere at some point, they can see it. Um, but it's killing. Ah, uh, yeah, this is the one I didn't get to see. Yes. This yeah. is the, one of the, I, I mean, the, the only other person I've seen put this film on their top 10 of the year was actually Guillermo del Toro. Wow. He put it on his top That's 10 cool. overall for the year. I'll have to check it out. Um, it's by, uh, Shinya Sukamoto, 
who is a Japanese um, filmmaker. And um, I saw this film at the Toronto International Film Festival and he was there introducing the film before I watched it. And he said that this, for him, was a desperate scream of, of a film. Um, oh. where he's, he's, he thinks he's terrified that Japan more so than ever in the last 70 years is moving towards a state of war. I think he's a picturing like a world war. He, he thinks that it's coming incoming mm-hmm. and, uh, he's decided to make, uh, a film about a, uh, young Ronin, uh, samurai. I guess those are two different things. I think a samurai actually has a master and a Ronin is like one who is like, uh, a lone wolf yeah. almost. But uh, for those unfamiliar with Tsukamoto, uh, we're going to talk about him eventually on the show because he did the uh, Tetsuo, the the Iron Man films. He did the Tetsuo films, oh, okay. which are just uh, completely grotesque, like psychosexual, like steam engine uh, craziness. Shit. It, it, it's, <laughs> it sounds weird. Yeah, like it's it. It, it's like. Uh, uh, almost kind of like scanners meets like a racer head style okay. filmmaking, uh, cool. very low budget out of Japan. And it involves like, uh, sort of like flesh and machinery and just craziness. Um, so this is the first time I've ever seen him anyway, go into the realm of, uh, what seems like a more classical Japan style Yeah, because most of the time, like samurai movies for them are like our art dramas, right? Like though, like seven samurai is their big movie. Kurosawa made them. Right. So yeah. it's kind of like their classical Western almost in a way so for him this is like going back and doing an old style of of japanese film but he merges it with that um really grotesque sexually repressed um psychosexual style that he has that he kind of stole from david lynch and cronenberg a little bit uh but he puts it into a samurai movie so it really fucks you up because you're used to watching like these really classical films and then all of a sudden you're seeing a close-up shot of like a samurai sword uh, or a katana and it's like it's like shaking and it's frenzied and like it's about to unleash like crazy violence and oh, there, okay. there's only two scenes of violence in the like 90 minute film um, and they don't even really un- I mean they're pretty gross but they they're not um, I would say like viscerally entertaining in a way that you would think like right. they're really really just um, they don't make you go like yeah it's more you, you take a step back that kind of thing yes yeah. yeah well because he's taking your knowledge of samurai movies and sort of using the anticipation of violence against you and instead mm. doing something more kind of like unrelenting and doing something kind of like um uh, kind of like what the house that jack built with its violence just in the t- in terms of kind of like you know it doesn't let you enjoy any of it <laughs> yeah like it, it, it really for it, there, there's no fun as a samurai genre movie happening here okay it's it, it's, yeah. it's it's really a movie that again feels like a desperate scream like he is distressed right this is just a really sort of anxiety um driven film and there's a great line in it that says uh you'll soon bleed to death so reflect on your life Oh, and, 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 and it's it's a very anti-violence, <laughs> anti-war oh, speech metal. about how these samurai dudes really like they only have work during times of war is kind of like the idea. Yeah. And he so these dudes look for war, they look for violence, and so he's it's a very anti-violence film against um, uh, guys like that. And again, the style is just this very pure, like open wound psychosis. It's very sort of like sunstroked. Um, and it's very haunted by the fear of war and it almost feels like the movie itself is suffering from blood loss in like that same way that that guy is like, it's kind of like oh, okay. delirious and, and weird is and this, dreamy. Is it even like as it goes on? Like it, the movies? Yeah. The, 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 the finale is like completely dreamy and cool. bizarre. It's really, really cool movie. And, um, I'll definitely check that out. It, it, it ends on a sequence of you just watching blood spray, 
hearing distant screaming in the in in the in the background and rain just kind of falls and he basically is kind of getting at this idea that rain's not going to cleanse that for you yeah um and it's a really really beautiful crazy genre movie and eventually when it comes out i can't recommend checking it out enough um uh number three for you though jamie number three for me is the house that jack built ah there we go we were real close on that one yeah yeah our our top fives were getting pretty similar (laughs) definitely uh yeah this movie i thought was incredible i don't know i didn't know a lot about the the director but it was even the way that he was filming it and the way that it was paced out i could tell that he was you know speaking about creating the film itself as well yeah Yeah, so that was very interesting to me the fact that i didn't really know about any of his allegations and things like that but i it still read that did you notice the part where he spliced clips from his own movies because okay <laughs> that i wasn't sure about did he do like antichrist did yeah. he throw those in okay yeah. okay yeah um yeah this is this is very much a film about himself and his own yeah. act of creation and how he's he honestly he he does seem genuinely regretful of the things that have happened in his life and yes. what has come to him leading to his art yeah um, and it seems as if he he wants to punish himself at the end of the day well uh, he's 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 documenting he deserves it he's documenting the pain that he himself has inflicted in his own sort of pretentiousness almost right <laughs> exactly and that's what i loved this 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 uh this view of a serial killer that thinks he's so prestigious and and uh, has such a has such an art brain that uh he can create uh, beautiful works of art with dead children yeah. and things like that. You know, like he thinks he thinks he's that sophisticated and, and well, that he, he, call, he calls himself Mr. Mr. Sophistication. sophistication exactly. <laughs> so it's uh, that kind of that kind of analysis on oneself uh, is really, really intriguing. To well, me. yeah, because it's a movie where he's depicting himself as a horrifyingly pretentious and uh, violent um artist yeah and uh, one of the things that i think went kind of under discussed about the film is kind of how he's also documenting how the world is kind of set up to let him get away with it yep because there's so much stuff that happens in the film where like it's like he's not a very good serial killer is what we'll say no he doesn't yeah he doesn't cover his tracks or do do much of anything it's almost a comedy in how bad he can be sometimes i was just gonna say i couldn't believe how funny this movie it's was. It's really funny. It's hilarious. Yeah. I couldn't, be, like, and I was watching it with Shane, yeah. uh, my brother, who's not as used to, like, the, the crazy, trashy stuff. Yeah. He was laughing his ass off. Yeah. Like, even when these terrible, violent things were happening, he films it in a way where you laugh. And the, well, like, Matt, the, the Matt sequence, Dillon's performance, He's too. fantastic. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. He found such a good balance between psychotic and a comedy mm-hmm. kind of performance. Yeah. And the one sequence where he's going in and out of the house to try to hide the body because the cop showed up yeah. is genuinely funny. It's like a slapstick thing almost. Yeah, well, and, and he's he's begging to get caught because I love yeah, I, I yeah. love the one bit where he's like he's got OCD, so he uh, keeps going he, into the. Well, home. He, he keeps imagining that he's left a like a speck of blood somewhere yeah. under something. And and I love the way that they do that where they go in into a shot into his head where it's like. Where it wouldn't even make sense, the blood just happens Got to under be the carpet somehow and nowhere else. But yeah. his brain is just like, you know, it's there. You know, it's there. He goes in. It's not there. He does that three times, and I thought that was a great way of kind of showing the the OCD and all that. Yeah, that well, was and, a really and it's cool also because way. he's also cleaned it up really well. And what's funny is the cop yeah. the cop goes in, and the cop should be super suspicious of this dude, but the cop is yeah. like not really as suspicious as he should be. And the dude is almost offended by that. Like, yeah, like Jack like, is look offended. into it, dude. Yeah. 
he's like, you should. This doesn't look good. He was like, in my opinion, you should inspect every inch of this room to see if you can find something. (laughs) Because what? And that's that was one of my favorite lines because it was saying how. He om- not. I don't even know if it was he wanted to get caught. He almost wanted the acknowledgement that he, he did, did a, a good, fucking good, good job, job cleaning. And <laughs> that is so psychotic and amazing that I just, I loved every minute of that. And uh, and what, what I found interesting too is as he goes deeper into his murders and like how he views it as art, he gets more and more, uh, he becomes more and more of a perfectionist to the yeah. point where he needs a specific bullet to get through the four heads that he oh, wants yeah. to. And it turns into this 20-minute thing of him just trying to find the bullet. Yeah. And then he fucking pulls up in the cop car with the with the house robe and all yeah. that. And he's crazy. He's like, I finally got it. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. It's so funny and so dark. And I just to oh, find yeah. that balance. And it goes dark. That's, I think, where yeah, the selling let, point is. Let's say there is full-blown child murder. And yes. I, I did and somehow get, I'm laughing in certain scenes well, still. It's unbelievable. And I was going to say, that scene, I don't though. think you <laughs> got to see it, but I got the chance to see the unrated version. Yeah, you were and, telling me and about And let's it. say that, like, the extra, like, two or three minutes that it is is all the murders, where it's just right. you see more... You see, What's a, crazy you see a child get his head shot off in the unrated version, whereas it cuts away. It also reminded me a bit of because uh, there's that sequence where he turns those bodies into that art piece mm-hmm. with the with the trees there wasn't, around there, it. I don't it reminded think, me of Hannibal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where it was kind of like legit, like I'm looking at terrible murder right now, but that actually as an art piece, you know, stylistically, image wise, he looks does good. literally build a house at one point. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not a great house. No, no, think. but it's a house out of bodies. <laughs> But yeah, this this is a film filled with just like like unflinching brutal murder. Um, yeah. This kind of like off kilter irony that's like really funny. Yeah. And very very thoroughly investigated like critical analysis of both artists and the and like act, the movie itself and the act of creating yeah. the, the creation of this particular movie For, itself yeah. and yeah. the guy who made it. There's um, a lot. So for any here. Lars von Trier heads out there. You really, I don't think, this might be my favorite Lars von Trier film. So, yeah. um, and I also think that the film investigates why that in its own way is 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 kind of gross. Because mm-hmm. he's almost implicating you as an audience member. Yeah, he's like, are, why are you enjoying like, this? Like, like you helped <laughs> me get away with this almost. And like, I love the parts yeah. where Jack is like begging to get caught where he's being like, yeah, scream out the window. Why won't anybody help, help me? Yeah. yeah. And it like, oh my God. like and that's the thing I'm laughing, but I know it's so evil. Yeah. Well, because it's just it, th- th- so th- then you the watch him funny, in, in like, the unrated, you watch him cut her boobs off and then turn one boob into, into a, a wallet, into a wallet. It's, it's, it's completely horrifying and very yeah. specifically violence targeted against women. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, it's really brutal to watch and it's i don't know i was like fascinated by it from beginning to end so there's a reason it's there's a reason it's on the end of our list and again the the finale bonkers which we won't spoil here but it it just it's like it goes inside its own head kind of thing it's like that's all i'll say let's just say we eventually make our way to hell and you will see exactly what hell looks like uh when you eventually do get around to watching the film and he basically says look I'm already here in hell. Some of you are probably going to be in here with me. Yeah. Uh, let's just 
party it up, I guess. Yeah, let's make art. <laughs> let's create. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, the big, the big finale, uh, is, is, and the, the final shot especially is just so good. Uh, and that's the thing I definitely don't want to spoil. Cause that would, that has lasted with me since I've watched the movies. Yeah. So. Let's just say this is Von Trier acknowledging all the pain that he's caused yep. on his journey to create art. It, too. And, um, but he acknowledges that also it's not enough to just be like, I caused pain. He's yeah. like, he has a lot to answer for. He's going to hell. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we have a lot to answer for too, as audience members. Who so enjoyed all this maybe, maybe, crazy shit. maybe we'll see him on the other side. <laughs> yep. That's <laughs> kind right. Of deal. Um, so yeah, that was house that Jack built. We'll be moving on to number two. Uh, yeah. for me, that was Suspiria. Jamie already mentioned it a little bit here, but again, I, I absolutely loved this new Suspiria and how it uh, very intentionally places itself in the political and historical turmoil of, uh, Berlin. And I loved that it trades in, uh, Argento's like really, really dreamy, um, uh, almost like flamboyant musical style that he has and this very fairy tale quality. Mm. Um, and instead it's turns it into something like, really, really blunt and gross. And, uh, it takes subterranean to another level because again, the witches are underground in the original Suspiria, but let's just say their underground layer in here is something else entirely, uh, which you'll see in the finale. And again, I love the brutalist architecture. Uh, again, this movie is all just, it's like concrete and mud and, and fleshy bodies. And And the, uh, the, uh, body contorting and things like that. won't spoil it, but Oh my they God. use the dancing to its advantage when it comes to the violence. And it's and as someone who has danced before and b- done jumping drills and things like that, every single time someone jumped in the air, I'm like, you're going to break an ankle. I yeah. know this movie's going to fuck me up like that. I couldn't stop cringing the entire time they were dancing. But then you're also watching beautiful works of art. Like the dances in this movie are so good. They're so powerful yeah, th- and al- so well done. This honestly kind of would actually might double feature interestingly with the house that Jack built as the yeah. idea of, of art as expression and violence as expression in its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the pain you go through in order to create the art sometimes, like, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I mean, these dancers are definitely doing damage to their bodies, the way that they, that, that the moves that they're doing, mm-hmm. but it's for them, it's worth it. Cause that's what they're trying to express. Yeah. So, well, and it's also a little bit about like political radicalization and these yeah. guys of them them operating a coup inside the witches and yeah, and, yeah. And, and all kinds of crazy the nonsense like that. Yeah, it's 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 really really uh, insane to watch, and yeah. ultimately you're just kind of watching all these sort of like young dancers be harvested to wage this like ancient underground war. Mm. Um, and uh, again, the the fact that um, the guy who made Call Me by Your Name made this is pretty shocking. Fucking crazy! This is, this is a year for people who don't make horror movies making really interesting horror movies because yeah, lot, needs, I, we need more of that, please. I, I saw some less conjuring stuff. being a little critical of new Suspiria because they thought that he was trying to make it more of like this intellectual art movie in a way that mm. like was a little more pretentious I, I than what Argento see was that doing. In like the first half, but once you get to that second half, it's pure. Yeah, well, because I saw those critiques before I saw the movie, and yeah. I, so I was kind of prepared. And mm. then when I actually watched the movie, I was like, "Really? Th- th- yeah, <laughs> no, that seemed pretty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, like again, pretty out there. Y- as far as like European." blunt horror goes yeah you know this is it it almost seemed almost not too intellectual it seemed pretty bodily to me (laughs) yeah i I think maybe it's just the way that he paces it 
You know, it's very methodic yeah. that way. Yeah. But then once it hits it, it's just pure exploitation. Violence is going insane. There's one particular scene that happens more in the middle that's one of the most grotesque, violent things I've ever seen. And it, I won't even spoil it because when you see it, you'll know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I love yeah, it. Suspiria is awesome. So that was my number two. Jamie, your number two. My number two is Mom and Dad. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm so Nick glad Cage. Jamie put this on his list. This was a pretty high up honorable mention for me. Just yeah. missed the cutoff point, but I was glad to see Jamie put it on his list. So Dude, it's so it good. Um, so basically, this movie is about uh, a bunch uh, something triggers in all the parents, and they just have a absolute necessity to kill their children. Well, it, it reverses their paternal instinct to protect their children. Right. Instead, it makes it you want to kill your children. Exactly. And uh, and so it, it, it gives a lot of uh, playground for Cage to do his thing, and, and it works within the context of a film. And yeah, sometimes, it stars Nick you know, Cage and also, I think it's Selma Blair, the mom. Yeah, who's She's fantastic. awesome, too. She's yeah. very funny, hilarious. Uh, they have a lot of funny um, dialogue where it's speaking on, you know, kind of living that that uh, the middle of your life, you know, in your 40s, you have kids and things have kind of gone to a boring state and there's not much to, to well, it, look it, forward it to. It literalizes thought the you idea. were going to be a bigger deal when you were this age, <laughs> yeah. when you were 20. Yeah, Nick Cage going through a midlight cri- crisis and like singing the hokey pokey <laughs> while, while smashing he sledgehammers. A, a pool table <laughs> yep. that he actually, with his own hands, created. It's it's fantastic, oh, yeah. uh, and I'd like to also note the uh, score is unbelievable. The, the way that they use like dubstep sounds mm-hmm. that correlate with every single zoom and zoom out, um, it's 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 unreal. It really, without the score, I don't think it would have had as much of an impact on me mm-hmm. as it does. Well, it's very propulsive. Well, because this yeah. is obviously this is by Brian Taylor. He's, he's done like Crank, I think. He he's half of the direct right. duo who who right. did the crank films with Mark uh, Nevildine. And again, they're they, and they have, have that kind of energy. This movie's like high energy like that. The they whole have time a very propulsive, and, shameless, yeah. relentless, uh, formal yeah. style to them. That's very hypercut, very lots of movement, lots of craziness, but done in a way that like really gets you into the film. It's not like a yeah. disorienting, um, kind of experience in a way that he doesn't intend. Yeah. And what the movie I think does really well, especially when you're first watching it for the first time, you don't know how far they're going to go because the style gives off as like, we could do whatever we want. Well, because the, the, the premise is not much different from like a purge movie. Right. Like, like you, exactly. there, there is a boring a version of this movie basic, out there. Yeah. It's a very basic plot really. So, so really it's in the performances and the directing that this really, really goes crazy. Yeah. And there was one sequence I was, I showed my buddy Ryan and, uh, there's one sequence sequence that involves a newborn baby and and the mother oh and God. you don't know what the movie's gonna do and i'm not gonna spoil it for you so you can be just as tense as i was and uh but but yeah it, ima- it, imagine this idea of parents wanting to kill their children and one just gave birth to a newborn baby right a lot of <laughs> tension there so uh yeah the, the movie just is a non-stop uh thrill ride honestly it's it's uh and and it gives everybody a good opportunity to kind of just go crazy with their performances you know they oh, can yeah. be over the top completely completely ludicrous yeah <laughs> and uh i and the i can't remember i'm paraphrasing but essentially what it ends up being is kind of just like we do love you but sometimes we, we want to fucking kill you, you. Yep. and isn't that family you know what i mean that's yep. family right there yep. it's th- this movie is about family <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, well, it, it, yeah. it's it's like that that uh what if you could unleash what you actually feel sometimes 
when you're that mad. Yeah, yeah. like w- with uh, your friends and family. Yeah, it's fantastic. I I loved every minute of it. Yeah, it, it's a completely awesome movie. I saw it at at TIFF in 2017, and I I really really liked it uh, as well. Again, it's uh, the hysteria that breaks out inside of Nick Cage and Selma Blair's performances as they start. Because again, it really doesn't seem to trigger until you actually see your child. It's like a primal yeah. thing. Like she's like, gotta protect my kids, gotta protect my kids, and then she sees her kids and she's like, I gotta fucking put a nail gun through that kid's head or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and again, the uh, the really like hyper uh, cut crazy direction that Taylor gives to it just like punctuates every little absurdity of performance and of the actual plotting, which gets super insane when, say, we incorporate the idea of what if grandparents exist? Yeah. And you're, that's the, <laughs> dude, that's the best part where you're just like watching this. You're like, well, how could this evolve? Oh, yeah, there are grandparents. Oh, and wait. Boom. <laughs> so, it's so good. Every time this thing, you think that it's fine, like run out like, of energy or run out of steam, it finds a new way to just like spin something. Yeah. Um, and the, again, the, the speed of the motion and the editing, it's like, it honestly feels like at a, like an adrenaline shot when you mm. finish watching this movie. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a brief two seconds where like Nick Cage like eats out a beer can for like yeah. no reason. <laughs> yeah. Just, just cause he's talking about his, his teenage ways and uh, how he misses being such a punk rocker. Yeah. As, as far as like pure, um, like indie genre pulp went this year. Yeah. Mom and dad. Uh, yeah. Very, very underrated. So Absolutely. Everyone underrated. should be checking that one out. Yeah. Uh, I almost fived that bad boy. Ooh. All right. We're here. We've made it. The number it one. It is. The number one for Jamie and I genre films of 2018. For me, it's burning. We nice. took long enough to get there, but, um, uh, so good burning, uh, absolutely loved this movie and haven't stopped thinking about it basically since I saw it. I saw it at TIFF and then I saw it once again after TIFF and I honestly want to watch it again right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. I'll be rewatching this very quickly. It is uh, an awesome little um, sort of, you know, it it is a drama and it is a bit of a romance about this, this, this but young, you this always young, feel that underlying tone. Exactly. I yeah. think you diagnosed it correctly with that. It's about this young guy named uh, Jong Soo who uh, is feels a little, um, we'll say, displaced yeah. um, financially. He's he's on the poorer end of, of Korea's spectrum. He he went to school. He wants to be a writer. He, he loves reading all the great novels. It seems like a bit of a loner, too. Like, he doesn't... He seems to only be focused on this girl. It seems like he has no other friends yeah, and really it, family. It, it seems like he does really shitty work. And he doesn't have a lot of money, and yeah. he's very quiet. He's very lonely. And one day he sees a young girl who he went to school with, um, named, uh, Jaime. And she, uh, also kind of, there seemingly feels displaced, but is kind of like actively searching for things to fill it with. Yeah. And she goes on a trip to, I believe Africa to, in search of, uh, what she calls like the, the big appetite. She wants, she wants the meaning, the spiritual meaning of their existence. Yeah. Um, and, um, they, prior to her leaving, they, they hook up and they start forming a kind of friendship slash romance, uh, but on her way back, she brings back someone she met in Africa, a young guy named Ben, um, who is played by uh, Stephen uh, Yoon, I believe. Who Which was really cool to see him in something else. Yeah, from The I, Walking Dead. He's got Dead, some yeah. range. I really enjoyed his he performance. He gives an amazing performance. Yeah. And I mean, I think all three of them are are, are awesome. But his performance is It's like is every awesome time too. he looks at a character or just even looks at the camera. He's you, got one of those eyes, faces, dude, like, there's too. There's something about you that you're hiding. You know, he just has this great... Uh, 
performance that he gives off. Yeah, well, and and that's that's largely what gets into the more Hitchcockian element of this is that um, he, you know there's there's a mystery here underlying behind this guy. He's he's hiding something, but you're not really yeah. sure what it is. But you're also not sure if Zhang Su is just pissed because he's being cucked by yeah, a, a, a rich young kid exactly. who has none of his financial worries and anything like that. So yeah. there's a, there's a bit of a mix of like something's off in the filmmaking. But also our character probably is just resentful of this guy anyway. Right. And then the rest of this film, um, uh, Jaime eventually disappears in the film. Mm-hmm. And you're not sure, again, if she's just run off because she's looking for something new, which is very possible. Or if Ben, who sort of are around the middle of the film or earlier in the film, mentions this idea that he kind of likes he, – he likes burning down – greenhouses right um and you're not sure if that's an allegory for he likes to do something he looks for little broken down people and maybe murders them or you're not really sure what's happening there and the basically the last hour to hour and a half of the film is just a sort of um thriller slash murder mystery um where we are implicated in the protagonist jong su's own anxieties in a way that makes everything really, really unclear and really icky and perverse. And yeah, yeah you're right that it reminded of Hitchcock because again, Vertigo, it's that murder mystery aspect. Yeah, a lot of um, following, like a lot of like, oh, can't catch me. You know, it's like exactly. Well, he even he even steals. A, there's that one bit that reminded me of Body Double, where he waits mm. for the guy to get out of the car and then he follows him in his car. All the way, oh, yeah. right? Um, it reminded me of, uh, again, De Palma referencing also Hitchcock. So, again, it has that voyeuristic element to it where Jong Su is a quiet watcher. Yeah. He, he's watching these things unfold and he he doesn't really choose to act. And the whole movie is, is he going to act? And it builds to the very end to an act. Yeah. And we won't spoil what that act is for anyone who hasn't had a chance to see the movie yet. Um, but I'll just say that it very much reminded me also of um, Rear Window which we talked about a little bit when we talked about Vertigo, which is a movie about uh, a character who is uh, a voyeur, a quiet voyeur, um, and he's a guy who is a war journalist, and he's grounded because his leg is broken, so he has to sit at home, and all he can do is look out his window and watch his neighbors. Yep. And he's so bored at home that he just he actively dreams for something interesting to be happening in his neighborhood, and he really, <laughs> really badly wants something interesting to happen. And a murder mystery does take place, uh, in his neighborhood and eventually he does, you know, he, he's told, well, it's not that, it's not that you're getting all of this wrong because he just really wants it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually he's right that there was a murder that happened there and he does eventually solve the murder. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that that wasn't why he was watching. It wasn't because yeah. he was a good guy who wanted to prevent a murder. It's because he was a bored dude who, again, you're you're implicated as an audience member into his point of view in that way. Yeah. And this movie I, does the exact same thing with the protagonist here. Because yeah, I think like it really does a good job of making you feel like something's even off with, uh, what was his name? Sung- Jong Su, yeah. Jong Su. Uh, something's even off with him before you start to really question the other guy, the rich guy, uh, mm-hmm. Steven or whatever his name is. Um, because it's like, like you, you understand his scenario. You understand that you'd be upset at this, you know, like you find, you got this girl that you love with. She comes back with this guy who's like, you know, a decent looking dude. He's richer than you. He's more successful, whatever. So, right away you feel like he can just look at this guy and find every little thing that's wrong with him. Yes. So so like you were saying, the intentions there, you're not sure 
if you're really the protagonist here. You're not sure if you're the good guy. Because right. Because, because, like, because there's because a lot of mixed stuff that you're feeling he, too. Because he man. eventually is solving a murder mystery because right. Jaime has disappeared and he's not really sure what happened to her. Right. But at the same time, you know that he's very resentful of this guy for reasons so beyond that. could be that. looking for anything and so, just and, and, and again, that. The, the very voyeuristic yeah. filmmaking where the camera kind of like floats along and follows him and follows his gaze as he's looking and watching and waiting and, and investigating yeah. um, this this case here. And it, it does really just make you feel really, really gross because even as the evidence starts to stack, you know that he would bend that evidence to stack in that way, yeah. even if it wasn't there. Exactly. And when we eventually get to the sort of destructive finale, um, you, you kind of sit there and you go, it's very possible that this destruction was warranted, but, but we don't know, <laughs> but you also know that the reasons behind it would have existed, whether it was deserved or not. Right. You know that this guy would be resentful and would be filled with this like pent up primal yeah. rage and aggression and that yeah. he would need some sort of outlet for it, yeah, whether like- or not. Um, you know, the, the eventual, um, act that he commits, uh, was the one that was it or not. Basically you think that this guy probably would have been a school shooter or something at some point. Like you You just don't, you don't know, like you, you think he would have done whatever he does in the movie, regardless of what the actual truth is. Yes. He's almost just looking for that. uh, Exactly. And and, and let's just say that that develops very slowly over the course of a two and a half hour right. film. They do. They pace it out so well. And it's well. so subtle that my first watch, I didn't even, when I got to the end on my first watch, I was honestly like, what? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, I, I was honestly just shocked because I was like, I, I didn't fully uh, really get it almost. Mm-hmm. I liked it, but I didn't really. I was kind of the same way. It yeah. took some time for me to set it in. And then I, I even went back and I read like the last few paragraphs of the plot just yeah. to kind of see where it all led to again and, and kind of get it more aligned yeah. in my head. This was just a movie and that, yeah. that after its final image, which is an amazing, the final shot of this film is absolutely incredible. One of the best shots of the year. Yeah, so powerful. Um, and I, yeah, you really just can't believe. Um, I, I just couldn't get that out of my head. I was re, yeah. like reinvestigating and rethinking about the movie constantly so much that I just eventually had to rewatch it mm-hmm. because again the, the how it incriminates you in his point of view his subjective point of view is so subtle and it happens so slowly over the course of the movie that I didn't even notice it the first time yeah. um and then and then uh, you know as I've thought about this movie it's only gotten better for for me so yeah burning um, probably, uh, you know, vaguely genre s. I guess we would call it genre in, inflected. Yeah. Um, but, uh, honestly, if you haven't seen this yet, like this is pretty top priority. Yeah. So go oh, check it out. It's fantastic. So that was my number one and Jamie, your number one. My number one, because it's the year of the cage. Yeah. Is Num- Mandy. Woo. So, uh, yeah, Mandy for me, I mean, I'm a metalhead. Mm-hmm. I'm a rocker. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the, Aesthetic right away obviously appeals to me. Oh, I yeah. mean, we have we have sequences in which it's pure death metal font. Like just death metal font. If you're unaware, is that font? I'm sure you've seen it and haven't been able to read any of it. <laughs> is basically it just looks like tree roots that are going in and out of each other to create a word. Yeah, and it looks gross and sharp and uh, evil to be honest. And uh, that the movie's full of that. 
that kind of imagery. Uh, we have uh, Mandy, who literally wears shirts like Black Sabbath and, and uh, you know, classic metal shirts like that. And then we have um, Jeremiah, who is kind of like, I think what the story really is, is, is the perspective of what love is. For Nick Cage, you know, love is, you know, somebody to to share life with and to share your dreams with and uh, to eat and to, to eat dinner while watching trashy movies exactly yeah. and talk about what your favorite planet is and all yeah. that kind of shit. Yeah. Whereas for Jeremiah, he is like a cult leader, so love for him is worship. You know, love for him is more like, uh, you know, bow down to me and and love me, love quote unquote. Yeah. You know, it's it's more of a, a worship for him. And so these guys, well, because it's, it's, a, it's, it's a godly love, right? Right, exactly. Where everyone loves God. It's almost right, and it's more <laughs> of like he wants to be almost feared, you yeah. know, rather than loved. But he has that confused with love, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of makes uh, these two characters when they finally collide that ending. Uh, sequence, which I won't spoil, but basically what happens is Jeremiah gets, you know, kind of taken down to the to the human level that he doesn't think he is. Yeah, and uh, it's it's heavy stuff, real heavy stuff. And uh, the, I mean, the use of lighting in this film is fantastic. I love the deep reds. At one point, the entire movie is red. Like yeah. it's just like they're like, we're not going to do a background lighting. We're making the whole thing red. Yeah, and, well, well uh, because once Jeremiah does what he does to Mandy, and Nick Cage has to answer back, and he gets yeah. pulled into hell. Basically, yeah. The the whole movie's aesthetic basically follows suit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because well, what happens? These bikers they've taken like bad LSD. I love the hellraiser bikers too. oh my god it's amazing yeah. the, the score too shout out to uh johan johansson because like this was his last movie i think yeah and uh he knocked it out of the park i think this is a five out of five both film wise and score wise uh the score is incredible it's using all these deep synths that you you know hear in the uh the 70s and the 80s um all the font is that 70s font except uh instead of yellow they use red and I love yeah. that kind of like he's he's kind of doing his own thing. His other movie does similar things as well, where it's kind of a callback to these old mm-hmm. uh, '80s and '70s horror movies. Yeah, specifically like I think he has both movies take place in 1983. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah, so, Beyond uh, the Black Rainbow is awesome too. If you guys haven't seen that, yeah, fantastic. And uh, both films, he just goes out there. This guy, I can't wait to see what this guy does. Like he, he's probably my most anticipated director now. And uh, it was awesome, too, to see a Nick Cage performance that, once again, just like Mom and Dad, contextually works anytime he goes over the top and does his Cage thing. Uh, And honestly, it's never to a point where I think it's an ironic thing that I'm liking it. You know, like sometimes Cage can have that irony where it's like, it's still entertaining, but I don't know if it works exactly. This one, it, it calls for it because the movie is larger than life. You know, it's very spacey. Uh, yeah, and they use a lot of that imagery. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was just mind blowing. I Loved will say one of the biggest yeah boy sequences of the year: the 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 chainsaw duel. Holy shit! Yeah, <laughs> and to put like the one dude has a nine foot chainsaw. Yeah, like that was the best part. The shot where he reveals it. Yeah, yeah. like Nick Cage is like, I got a chainsaw. Guy's like, okay, pulls out a nine foot long chainsaw like he's Seth yeah. Roth from Final Fantasy Seven yeah. or something. Uh, yeah, it it was. It was great, um, and it just leads to quite the finale in which it's kind of showing like Nick Cage is now has welcomed his new look at life. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, what did you put it in somewhere? You're like, we're all living in Nick Cage's world now or yeah. something like that. It's, yeah. That's what it feels like. When you leave this movie, you're like, I don't know if this is Earth anymore. Yeah, we're all on Planet Cage now. <laughs> that was the one, yeah. Yeah, so I loved every minute of this and uh, definitely my number one. Awesome. Well, that will, I think, wrap it up for our top 10 genre movies of 2018. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us on this journey we had fun talking about all these movies and maybe highlighting a couple of some of you maybe haven't checked out yet yeah um let us know uh what some of your guys's favorite genre movies were if there was anything we missed, we missed or if yeah. there's anything that uh maybe there's like an underlying one that would have hit our number one we don't yeah know. let it let us know and also let us know if you uh end up checking any of these out and you either love us or hate us for it um, <laughs> yeah you know but if it's in any of our top fives you can just yeah you can just you get fuck out of town. off yeah <laughs> Let us uh, know. If you uh, don't like Mandy, I don't want to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in in one week's time, guys, you will have a uh, Patreon-exclusive episode uh, for all the patrons over there. And we're going to be talking about Sui Hark. We're yeah. going to be going on over to China. And we're going to be talking about some Wuxia films from the 1990s. Uh, his 1991 Once Upon a Time in China starring Jet Li which is kind of like a Sergio Leone-infused martial arts film. Mm. Very cool. And then we're going to be pairing it with his very underrated um, Wuxia film, 1993's Green Snake. Which, which has, is batshit. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is it honestly reminded me of like if uh, like fucking Suspiria was like a martial arts movie or something like that. Like it yeah. was like very dreamy, very colorful, very fairy tale esque very bizarre. Yeah. Um, it goes for it. Yeah. Because they have a lot of big ideas and somehow they pull them off so yeah so that's what you guys can expect over on uh patreon.com slash podcast in one week's time uh but in two weeks we're going to be back with another free episode for you guys we're going to be having a special guest on and we are going to be talking truck exploitation. oh cool don't know if it's a real genre or not we're making it up is what well, go ahead. We're going to be talking one of them. Duel. That's the one. Steven Spielberg's directorial debut, the TV movie Duel, which is a really... Oh, it's a TV movie originally. Yeah, I think it was a TV oh, movie originally, cool. but it is it, it is a real movie. Yeah. yeah. And I think he shot it like it was meant to be a real movie, but it ended up being on TV. Oh, okay. Uh, either way, Duel, I've very, great. very cool movie uh, about a uh, renegade uh, transport truck, uh, vaguely horror slash action based. Very cool. And then we're going to be pairing it with a movie called Breakdown, which is a movie uh, I've never seen, but apparently it's some more truck exploitation. And uh, I have a film critic friend bringing both of those on uh, in two weeks' time. Cool. So, yeah, that's what you guys can expect over the next two weeks. Thanks so much, as always, for listening. Uh, keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. <laughs>